are listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a bastard! Didn't know what happened to him there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down-home cheating. Good down-home good down cheating, sure. to another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. It is true. I am still here. This is not AI Jeff Hughes. It's the real I am Jeff Hughes. Yeah, I wouldn't even know how to deal with that. Yeah. Well, it's pretty crazy, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I'm negotiating, you know, with some uh, programmers. <laughs> They're going to take my mannerisms and, you know, right. I'm, I'm going to retire. But not my voice. Well, actually, they don't have to pay you for the... <laughs> What? <laughs> like that like this voice. It's too late. <laughs> You've been screwed. <laughs> well, speaking of screwed, it's Bundy Mania. He got screwed. Did you see the si- the size of that door? Did you see that cage? <laughs> it's Bundy Mania. He may have got screwed at WrestleMania too, but this week we are bookending King Kong Bundy. You know, one of my most great greatest ever memories is Saturday morning wrestling. And we'll be closing the show, and King Kong Bundy will feature prominently in both of uh, our feature matches. That's right. Among the feature matches. So while this is Saturday Night's main event, October 4th, the setup edition, we do have to go back to the summer of 86 and re-scope the bottom of the ocean for all the information that we purposely missed. There was so much information we couldn't cover it all in one show, so we left out things like the return of Roddy Piper and stuff to do with the British Bulldogs and think people that weren't really on the big event. Referring, of course, to Toronto, which uh, we had a great time covering just last episode. Well, I guess two episodes. Well, the last two episodes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, that's where we are at. We're trying to get to this October show. But, again, there's so much information, so much great stuff that happens in the summer of 1986. We're going to rewind it. So, you know, we're going back as far as May to capture some of this information and bring us all the way to the fall. One of the stumbles we had, we realized the last few days, is the WWE Network has been on the fritz. Ridiculous. We are trying to run an empire here. That's right. And, uh, you know. They're getting, in the, they're getting in our way. The only thing that saved us is that while the site wasn't working properly, you could view anything that was in your history. So luckily, most of the stuff that we needed to look at, we had already looked at. So we did have access, but there were a few things I couldn't get to. Kind of pissed off. Hopefully they'll have that sorted out soon. Yeah, you know, because, I mean, Legendary Wrestling Obsession and WWE, this is the irresistible force versus the immovable object. What will happen? (laughs) So we're going to get through a lot of things, a lot of happenings, as Gilman soon likes to say in the summer, in fall of 1986. There's a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of it revolves around Adrian Adonis and his flower shop. Who knew, looking back, that, he was so key and so instrumental to so many things in the spring and summer and even fall of 1986. Yeah, well, because he falls out of the picture fairly quickly. But yeah, he obviously is being built for a title, a world title run. And we, we covered what may have uh, thwarted that, if there's any truth to uh, his backstage behavior. But it looks clear at this point that he's being groomed for big things. Yeah, I did get a chance to go take a look at that Dark Side of the Ring episode, and I feel pretty comfortable that we didn't miss a lot. There wasn't a whole lot more on that episode that we could have brought to light. I think a lot of people kind of excuse Adrian's sort of 
wild behavior in the ring because he kind of gets a little, you know, he he got to a point with his unfortunate substance abuse to the point where he was actually taking it out on people in the ring, and especially people that, like you said, were kind of green, and he saw Danny, Danny Spivey as being somebody that he could take advantage of as opposed to, like, when you watch him work with a, a Hulk Hogan, you certainly aren't looking at him thinking, oh, he's kicking Hulk as hard as he can to actually try and hurt him. He knows where his, you know, bread is buttered, and, and they have their history together in the AWA, so I'm sure it was, like, a respect factor of, like, A, I know Vince McMahon is going to fire me if I hurt his, his meal ticket here, and also that basically he would try and, like, exert his dominance over anybody else. So, I don't know, it's it's an unfortunate thing. He was a real big family man, though. I mean, everyone really pushed that. It was, like, really quite sweet how he, like, he really, like, he phoned his wife five times a day on the road. Like, he was just constantly in touch with her, apparently never, supposedly never cheated on her or anything like that with, like, the rest of his life and all the stuff going on. So while he did some crazy bad shit, he also sort of had a sweet side, you know, and it just those two things kind of were counter counter to each other. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, so there's lots more episodes of Dark Side I haven't seen this, this year. It's a show I haven't caught up on, but uh, there is some good episodes there. All right, we're going to switch over to a new segment. The people have answered the call. We got a mailbag segment. I can't believe it. <laughs> so, history has been made. Our first letter, electronic email, message, communication, reach outification has been made. So, <laughs> thank you so much to a fellow named Hanzo Hattori, or Hattori Hanzo uh, is his nom de plume. That is a, if you look that up, you'll see a ninja from history. That's what this name is uh, inspired by. And also, there's a video game I used to play called Samurai Showdown, where Hanzo Hattori was a character that I used to like to play. There were so many characters, it was hard to, uh, you know, play them all. But I liked Hanzo. <laughs> he had the kind of like this, he looked a bit like Cyclops, because he kind of had like a visor to oh, okay, cover his yeah. eyes, you know, and it would look, look kind of metallic to me. And he threw Shuriken. <laughs> okay, so, discovered the podcast on Spotify in June. I was on vacation in Montana, winding down in the hotel, searching for new wrestling content. I have finally caught up and now am ready to listen to each new episode as it drops. Appreciate the focus on Saturday night's main event. Easily one of the best wrestling programs ever produced. Still holds up. I like that you change pace with AWA content. I have a good friend that I visit annually in Milwaukee, and one of his friends has great stories of his dad taking him to AWA shows in the 70s and getting heat from drunk, angry Polish guys because he was cheering for superstar Billy Graham against Ivan Putski. The late 80s and early 90s WWF is what hooked me as a kid. My parents despised wrestling, so it was rare when they allowed me to watch when I was younger. I can remember watching Superstars in 90 and my dad complaining that it was fake. The Irish whip drove him crazy. Quote, <laughs> no one would bounce off the ropes like that and let the other guy hit them. End quote. I protested that it was genuine and told him that Earthquake broke Hulk Hogan's ribs. And how could they fake the hospital footage? Years later, I would see the bit again and laughed at the local access grade hospital set. <laughs> Piper is my favorite. Had the pleasure of meeting him on a book tour. Still have the autographed book, but lost my pictures with him. I lost a stash of wrestling autographs during a move. Mm. Looking forward to future episodes. Correction. I did not discover Legendary Wrestling Obsession on Spotify. Spotify is where I listen to podcasts, but I discovered the podcast on HF Boards. Yeah. So that was Hanzo Hattori once again. Thank That's you right. so much for yeah, uh, writing in. Yeah, thank you for in. being there, our first 
our first letter. You know, we've had comments online and things like that, but not a proper letter. So thank you for that. And yeah, I, I have noticed, uh, I believe he's uh, he's either a Red, w- Red Wings fan or maybe just a Bob Probert fan because on HF boards, that's like his avatar. It's like, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Bob Probert's uh, like a legendary fighter back in oh, the He used know. to fight Taidomi back in the day. Well, Pockets Bar and Grill is a place I used to work when I was 21 or something like that. And it's kind of funny because I was, I don't know. I, it's not that I look back now and think I was just a kid because, you know, I was 21 year old male adult. Right working a job. Anyway, I was not as acutely aware of Probert or his reputation, but this place was a bit upscale where I was a waiter and we had NHL players came in. And I think one time Rob, Bob Probert came in or maybe a teammate, okay. but yeah. for some reason we were thinking Bob Probert because that was the visiting team. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, you know, the odds are it was a different guy, but anyway, there was some guy to whom as a waiter, I was just talking about, and this fucking NHL guy gave me a dirty look like he wanted to take me outside. Oh, geez. I know. And I was like, I wonder if this is Bob Probert who wants to beat me up. And I was like, <laughs> but I'm not even, I'm only, you know, I said, I, I'm just, you know, the bartender here, you know, <laughs> asking you if you wanted a drink or something. I can't yeah. remember what it was, but just the look on his face was instant. Like he was like assessing the threat or not. Like I, maybe it wasn't even like that I offended him. It's just as soon as I opened it, my mouth, he looked at me like, uh, hostile guy. Oh boy! Yeah. So yeah, there. So there was definitely just hostility from an NHL player at <laughs> as uh, yeah, and uh, I guess it, it, I didn't see enough footage of old Mister Probert to know whether this was him or not. But um, right. But uh, there was there was a guy with a chip on his shoulder <laughs> when the Red Wings were in town. You know, in in ninety three or four, right? Like, uh, or actually two or something like that. Okay, yeah, cool. Which, which which would add up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I spend I spend time on uh, you know a hockey message board. It's uh, been well, a lot of fun. Well, for example, I Jets. I met Timu at that bar. Okay, yeah. Neat. Yeah, I think I probably told you that he looked a little heavy. I think that was around his injury, and he must have been okay, recuperating. Yeah. You know, but for sure, Jets were there, and and I, I actually spoke to him. It was you know very brief. Uh, right. I, I was on the job, but uh, he was a polite, polite guy, and uh, I can barely remember actually since yeah. I was obviously trying to just do my job. And my my, my wife a couple of years ago got me one of those like the equivalent of a, I can't remember what the product's called, but it's kind of like Cameo, where like you know, and they, she paid Timo Solani to send me a message. You know, <laughs> you got married behind my back, you son uh, of a you bitch. Know, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Common law. <laughs> I do. So, yeah, Don't got, you get any vi- ideas I got squeezing a, me out of that wedding. There you go. I got a video of Timo Solani talking about how great a dad I am, what a great person I am. Yeah. <laughs> Big upgrade from my Keith. Uh, uh, the Keith Kajak one was still yeah, pretty good. <laughs> that's true. So I went to a, uh, I don't even know what the heck I was doing. Somehow I wound up at the same restaurant as perhaps a NHL and uncles um, <laughs> function where there was a I want to say lottery, but not that. You know, you put your like raffle. raffle. Yeah, you put your tickets. You're right, your raffle tickets. So there was an event. Anyway, Corey and I were getting set to maybe travel to a tournament. That's right. Corey had stiff-legged himself and hurt. He did, had an injury on the had field. Hurt back, yeah. Hurt back, yeah. Yeah. So I happened to be outside when Keith Kachuk was outside for a minute. I just asked him if he could wish Corey well. I didn't have to pay for the services. I just said, Mr. Kachuk, would you mind? You know, it was terrible audio quality and you could barely. Yeah. yeah, um, On my flip phone. Um, However, I did get the delight of at least trying to 
give Corey a thrill when I said, listen to this. <laughs> Corey. Yeah, you, you can make it out. It was pretty good. I liked it. It was very unique at the time, you know, like this idea, like almost like you were a traveling reporter carrying your, you know, recording device. <laughs> yeah. Back before that was like everyone has has one of those before everyone could edit a movie on their phone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we were we, NHL, Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. So I seen a couple of messages from uh, Tori here, which, is, again, we believe is a sort of a, uh, a username, you know, a, a pseudonym. But uh, we appreciate uh, the follow and the listen, and hopefully we can keep producing content that you enjoy. So we did dig a little deeper in the bag. You know, wait a minute, we got a, a second letter. Okay, here we go. Hello, Corey and Jeff. To this day, whenever I see a pile driver executed, I wonder how in the hell the receiver doesn't break his neck. Gravity can be a bitch. Which maneuver do you feel could be the most kayfabe deadliest in a match? I hope I'm using kayfabe correctly. Love the show. Cool, cocky, and bad. Ron Moore. Despite how it's phrased, I think the spirit of it is what do you think that if it wasn't kayfabe would yeah, be like the what, most, or, yeah. or what's the one that's the most like the most likely to actually hurt them you know like, yeah. like even if they didn't intend to right like you know. yeah in any case to me the one move that I think is kind of uh, looks like it could go wrong if you want to put it that way or that if it, if somebody actually did that to you would would you know the beam the most damaging would actually be believe it or not a half jobber. Coco Beware's Ghostbuster. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, the Brain yeah. Buster, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, he, so, ca- well, he, called, you... it, he called it a Ghostbuster yeah. for a little bit. Yes. Okay, so it's it's kind of like a suplex. That's you, right. And then instead of, the you know, you, you, the other guy and you, like, just falling down the way that the arms on a clock. Whatever, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a, a lever. Your your heels stay where they are, and his heels move a lot. But uh, um, you get the guy up so that he's – the one guy's completely 180 degrees inverted. Like his head is pointed at the mat, and it's – Heels are pointing to the sky, and then uh, you just drop him right on his head. That would easily, seems to me, compound It's his... like a DDT from about six feet up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You have all, every ounce of your body weight is on top of your yeah, point yeah. of impact, as yeah. opposed to a DDT where... Yeah, so just kind of landing on your face, like tripping yeah. and landing on your face. This is yeah. like being dropped on the top of your head. <laughs> exactly. While, while you're completely upside and down. I give Coco credit. Like, his looked so deadly. I've seen other people do brain busters, and it doesn't look the same. Like, And I'm sure that there's probably examples of other wrestlers who do a really good job with it. And modern wrestling has variations of it and stuff. But I mean, going back to the 80s and stuff, yeah, that brain buster slash ghost buster was just looked like killer and it kind of looked to me very briefly it looked like that was like going to be coco's way to stay like even though he was tiny he was like well i got this killer move he's got he's got his jake move but it uh, didn't necessarily pan out that way (laughs) no uh there is a match out there of coco beware apparently beating up somebody in the ring like a masked wrestler in a different area yeah. yeah it does look pretty brutal yeah, you know, just like kicking him in the head. They that they don't really look fake, and you, you you really don't ever get to the bottom of what did Coco seek to prove by beating the shit out of this guy in the ring. But uh, it is an example of like, oh boy, that's a very realistic looking uh, wrestling match slash yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's there's a, several of them out there of like people not cooperating. There's a really famous NWA WCW match between the skyscrapers and a jobber, and this guy didn't want to sell. For yeah. decision dance by Ivy, and they they beat the crap out of him. Even after the match, they're like on the apron, kicking him in the head as he's trying to walk away and stuff like that. It's like uh, it's very it's very telling. Kind <laughs> of you can yeah. tell that it's it's so funny how as a viewer you can actually see the difference. You're like, oh wait a minute, they they, they something switched here. They're they're not doing kayfabe punches. They're like they're really hitting them. Potato. 
that's right. <laughs> so yeah, the big event was something that we really enjoyed uh, covering. It was a lot of, a lot of fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep digging for Jeff. I know he was really interested in like the the ref of the main event and how involved he got and it, but in a good way. So yeah, I'm gonna do some digging and figure out who that is, and we'll we'll get back to him another day because I don't think he's a regular WF ref. I don't think we'll necessarily ever see him again. But he definitely played his part, and he really added a lot to that main event and to the whole to the whole thing. But we're we're in the Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff era. You know, it's not we're not done here yet with the Hogan Orndorff stuff, and it keeps going throughout the summer. And after, through the fall, even into the new year, I was surprised when I could see that there's still stuff going on in 87, like Warner still getting his licks in on uh, on, on Hogan yeah. on different house shows and stuff like that. So It makes him so much more appealing in a way. It, it's different. Most other heels, they get one main event against Hogan at Saturday night, you know, one Saturday night's main event yeah. show against Hogan, and then it's on to the next. But Hogan, uh, Orndorff is the exception yeah, Bundy got a back-to-backer, you know, at one point, uh, a little bit down the road, but not as probably not as high profile as the Orndorff matches. Bundy, well, good. Let's bring it back around. Yes, we're going to start up our coverage. A guy going back to a May seventeenth primetime wrestling edition. We would have seen this clip through Superstars of Wrestling, or our Maple Leaf Wrestling, as it was called here at that time, and it's a really crazy sort of fantasy tag team match that never could have happened, but really did. Well, I saw it at the time, and otherwise I wouldn't believe it. And I also searched for it at one point in the YouTube era, but it's funny how you realize that what's available in 2018 on YouTube and then what's available in 2021 or 2023, it's, it's completely different. It's yeah, always stuff comes and goes, too. There's more stuff out there now yeah. than there used to be, yeah. but there's also stuff that's missing because, you know, the, the companies like WWE, they kind of they're able to scrub some of the stuff off. They find these links and get rid of them and stuff like that, but it's a game. <laughs> it's, hide yeah. the ball. So there usually was mostly crap on Saturday mornings. You know, I'm so jealous of the people who got to watch this primetime program because it's it's so, you know, at, at worst, it's a half a jobber. You know, there's so much, you know, right, marquee yeah. talent wrestling each yeah. other uh, that and like every week, plus all that great commentary. Like, yeah, you get the Bobby and Gorilla, which is uh, hilarious, or even Gorilla and Jesse or whatever it was. And then you also get besides the main event, you get these other matches that are pretty good and they're, and they're there are like competitive matches, even if the talent's not that high. I know, I know one of the episodes I was sc- scrolling through trying to find content on, you know, it was there's a Tony Gurria versus Iron Mike Chart match, but it's like a real match, you know, like, and it's neat because it's like, you know, one of them's going to win. <laughs> right. And, and here's a time where you don't know which one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So what a missed opportunity. Why didn't they give us prime time? That's too bad. <laughs> but um, this match would be the exception. So. I didn't have my VHS set to go because I wasn't accustomed to anything worth seeing on Saturday morning. And I, uh, but man, did I have my mind blown when suddenly I see the Bulldogs are in the ring looking cool, calm, and collected. And who are they staring down but Big John Studd and <laughs> King Kong Bundy. And, you know, Studd and Bundy, they just they capture a certain imagination. They, these two monstrous guys together, they just seem unstoppable. You know, I would have loved to have seen them wrestle the Road Warriors, for example. you know would be a just the sheer size i mean uh, so i saw it at the time i clearly enjoyed it because if it had been like for example the awful infamous davy boy tap out to iron sheik in 13 seconds you know i wouldn't you know i blocked that out of my memory clearly you know i I didn't even want to know trauma that's right (laughs) this match i remembered because it was exciting and uh, and here we go we're going to give you a detailed uh, blow by blow of what happened when these two Giants of tag team wrestling, even though the Bulldogs are. <laughs> the well, let's start with that. The weigh-ins. 
Um, well, actually, here's what I like is that the heels are looking flustered and they're working the crowd. Shut up, shut up. But the bulldogs don't look worried at all. So it, <laughs> that helps. They just they look so ready for action. Not at all scared. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. You're like right on. But but I was scared. I was yeah, like, I was terrified. I, yeah. I, I remember that sh- that episode starting and <laughs> I, I'm almost thinking that there was a like, you know, at the end of the next the previous week, it would always say things like next week, something, something. And I think they literally gave you the next week. The Bulldogs defend the title against, you know, Big John Stud and King Kong Bundy. And I remember just like all week dreading like, <laughs> no, <laughs> like, they, can't, they can't beat Stud and Bundy. Like, how the hell are they going to get out of this? Oh, that's so great. That's perfect. Because for me, I just, you know, it just launched on me. Yeah, yeah. And you only just had like, a few seconds to worry. That's right. I had a whole week. <laughs> I love it. That's fucking genius. So anyway, yeah, I, you got to know that there, just, there was a sense of complete panic. doom. Yeah. It's over for our Bulldogs. Anyway, the weigh-ins, it's a combined weight for the Bulldogs. They do tell us that Thank God it's a non-title match. I really oh, okay. I forgot yeah. that, that deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm. Um, I'm here. I am bursting the tension that we just established. Everybody. Yes, yes. Uh, obviously, we couldn't have been. Maybe they didn't mention that in that preview. So maybe I just saw them with the belts around their waist and figured, yeah. you know, it's a title match. You had a genuine week of anxiety. Yeah. You know, whether you heard it right or wrong, like you had that. You know, that's the true story that you yeah. were like, oh no. But it turns out that it's an it's a non-title match, um, <laughs> so I don't remember me reacting to that or not, or maybe I didn't even hear that. Maybe I was just like, "Oh God!" or you know, jumping <laughs> yeah, up and down because yeah. I was excited. I wanted to see this fight, but I was also very worried for our bulldogs. So they weigh in at a combined weight of 474 pounds. They're wearing their pale blue tights. Um, no Union Jack or anything like that. Not yet. That's still a way off. The heels get their weigh-ins individually. Big John Studd comes in at 364 pounds. And then, incredibly, King Kong Bundy is billed at 600. 600. <laughs> Price is right. Price is wrong, which weight is wrong, which 468 pounds, <laughs> which is six pounds to the six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Six pounds lighter than the combined weight That's of right. the Bulldogs. And so we have on the call the big cat Ernie Ladd, Bruno San Martino, and Vince McMahon. And of course, they're pointing out this uh, colossal um, mismatch in size. And That's right. And uh, but soon San Martino's but like he says, hey, if Stud and Buddy can't, you know, beat these guys, then who can? That's right. So the action begins. We don't have Albano here, but we do have Heenan. Okay, yeah. And he yeah. has a good good showing. So the action begins. Davy Boy Smith and Big John Stud lock up with a collar and elbow. And of course, because he's so huge, Big John Stud easily backs Davy Boy into the ropes and gives him a clubbing forearm and stuns our British Bulldog. He gives him an Irish whip, sends him flying across the ring. Davy Boy bounces off the ropes and Big John goes for a backdrop, which is just going to be colossal. I mean, Davy Boy is going to go yeah, yeah. up 13 <laughs> feet in the air. Into the lights. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. His heels will be grazing the rafters. <laughs> Literally hanging from the rafters here. But instead, Davy Boy goes for a sunset flip. He hops over. But Big John's too big and he freezes the action. And so he's, you know, he, only a little wobble. But, you know, before long, he reaches down and he's got a handful of Davy Boy's hair. But while this happens, <laughs> King Kong Bundy sticks his head between the top and second rope to complain. 
I, I'm not quite sure what he's complaining about <laughs> yet. But anyway, the ref, this gives the ref a chance to come over to Bunny like, back up, get out of here, go on. And this gives Dynamite a chance ah. to run into the ring. But instead of going straight for Big John, he runs across the ring, bounces off the rope to get all that momentum. And they're really close to the rope, so you can kind of tell with Big John's stud size that it's not really going to work out. You know this isn't going to, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But all the same, Davy Boy's, I mean, sorry, Dynamite is lightning quick, and he clotheslines Big John's stud so that indeed he does go over, but there. You know, it's way too early in the match for any such, you know, real uh, pin. Exactly. So uh, it's it's not a threat at all. Big John Stud gets to his feet, but the crowd, you know, is loving this because already we've had, you know, a little uh, two on one and right. bulldogs, and that's going to be they need to be tag team specialists here. That's <laughs> right, and that's going to be the theme of this match, which makes it so memorable. Davy Boy capitalizes on the momentum to give Big John Stud a drop kick, but he just basically takes off one step back and brushes it off and kind of looks at him like. Pretty great. He's fine. Bobby chews out the ref for uh, this specialization. He, he's like, you can't be letting him do that. Hey, I want you kicking me out of the way. He's just, just, the camera cuts to Bobby, and he's just he's on, he's uh, at peak form. So we uh, try again. We have another lockup, and once again, Davy Boy backed up into the ropes. Once again, another big forearm. But no, this time Davy Boy blocks that big clubbing forearm, and he's got a beefy forearm of his own to slam into Big John's hairy, sweaty chest. One time, <laughs> two times, three times, four times, five. And John's selling it. He's, he's like, whoa, because Davy Boy's a big guy. Well, yeah. Davy Boy glances back to his corner, gives him another Big John, another forearm to the chest and then he goes for a slam oh wow yeah he gets you know he gets the little bit of a cradle uh, and starts to pick up big john but of course you know really early in the match this is always an angle can we slam big john stud and you're supposed to be able to cash in for 15k or something <laughs> if you do bobby right. bobby heenan has offered money and for anybody to be able to uh, body slam Big John Stud, as we know in the past, but it's not going to work out. And it doesn't work out for Davy Boy, but uh, there is that suspense for just a second. What actually happens is that Big John won't sell uh, for him, so Dynamite gets into the ring, and he just, like, sort of taps Davy Boy on the shoulder. In amazing timing, Davy Boy abandons the slam attempt, steps back, and they give a beautiful double drop kick. Like, just incredible timing. But they're not done. <laughs> or actually, that, that does not... Big John Dud. Dud. The Dud. So that double drop kick knocks down Big John Stud, and Davy Boy goes for a pin, but it's an easy kick out. And then Heenan's just furious because of all this <laughs> double teaming, this tag team specialization. So he's like, slow it down, slow it down. Big John comes over to his corner and makes a tag King, King Kong Bundy as Heenan gives his advice. I don't know why they keep locking up with these huge giants, but they do. <laughs> Stick and move. That's right. So King Kong Bundy locks up with Davy Boy Smith, then gives him a knee to the, the sternum, to the guts, which doubles over Davy Boy Smith, and then he starts raining down these clubbing forearms on him. Picks him up for a body slam. Bundy bounces off the ropes to go for a big elbow drop, but he misses. Davy Boy gets to his feet quickly and guess who's here? The Dynamite Kids That's into right. the ring for a nice double <laughs> drop kick, which staggers Bundy and Bundy had a great like ah when he gets hit he's right. like flailing his arms and you know staggering backwards and and selling it so that that looks great the um the timing is just excellent the double drop kick is not enough so they bounce off the ropes at the same time the bulldogs and come in for a double shoulder block and you know they just look fantastic the <laughs> yeah, bulldogs right. they I mean 
Dynamite has not been tagged in, but he's been a part of all the offense. Yeah, exactly. It's fan- <laughs> it's fucking great. It really is the Bulldogs versus one of either King Kong Bundy <laughs> yeah. or Big John Studd. So what an exciting match. Dynamite gets out of the ring, and then we have what I like to call a, a cross-body botch because... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're doing so great. The match is like just fucking cooking. Yeah. And then Davy Boy bounces off the rope to go for what we th- is, is supposed to be a crossbody block that Bundy catches him and gets the momentum. Right. But it, it gets screws up. and just bounces off him? Or? Uh, well, it, he doesn't launch himself high enough or he doesn't, you know, somebody doesn't know something. Right. And he, he goes horizontal but more around the thigh area and does kind of bounce off him instead of way up where he could get caught, yeah, you know, and then like, oh, backfires, and then the body slam. I I, I think that was supposed to be the spot. Right. You just have Davey Boy on, on the canvas. And uh, it's somehow the word. <laughs> like he splatted against the wall. <laughs> the cross, yeah, the crossbody botch didn't work out. Bug meat windshield. Yeah. So uh, Bundy uses a, a macho man knee where he ga- grabs your wrist and pulls your arm up so he can, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. when you're doubled over, so he yeah. can kick you in the ribs. And we're going to see this a few times in this match. Now he drags Davy Boy over to the wrong corner. Oh. And we get a little bit of du- double teaming there, kicking him in the gut. And uh, they actually, uh, th- you know, they um, uh, they drape his knee over the second rope, you know, to Im- immobilize him. And they're kicking him in the leg and just yeah, keeping yeah. him uh, helpless. So they're working the hot tag. The whole match is working the hot tag. <laughs> You're going to find out. Davy Boy's in trouble. He, uh, so I believe that we have, yes, there is a tag, which means that John Studd is back into the ring. He kicks Davy Boy in the gut. I gives him an Irish whip and a clothesline. Davy Boy's on the canvas. Big John Studd goes for an elbow drop, which he gets a two count from. Big John Studd goes to body slam Davy Boy, but sometimes the wrestlers, when they're uh, getting picked up for a slam, they use that momentum to kind of vault over the shoulder yeah, of the guy, yeah. and Davy Boy winds up behind Big John Studd. But uh, actually, quite in a quite in an agile manner, Big John just spins around and gives him a knee lift, and oh, you know, geez. yeah, there's no. This often will lead to a push against the ropes for a, a roll up Some or something. Kind of advantage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A uh, schoolboy roll up, or uh, you know, the leg sure, on yeah. other kinds of uh, pins, but no, we just get uh, the knee lift and the heel stay in control. So uh, King Kong Bundy gets tagged in, and now Big John Stud holds Davy Boy's arm up yeah. for the Macho Man kick to the ribs. You know, from these two guys, <laughs> nearly a ton of flesh. So they really work in his ribs. Uh, they he gets a couple shots to the head, and then there is an attempt for a fist drop. Well, no, he does drop a fist, King Kong Bundy, and covers him for a one, two, but then he kicks out. Phew! <laughs> uh, King Kong Bundy easily picks up Davy Boy in the the body slam position, but you know holds him lateral, much like if he had caught him, and gives him. Uh, you know, a side breaker to the ribs. Although sometimes people call yeah. it a back breaker, but really it's like you're in the. Yeah, yeah, it depends on the, the angle, really. Yeah, like it's not. Into, it's the ribs, not the spine. Yeah. Another cover, but Dynamite comes. Dynamite Kid comes in with a boot to the head to break up that pin. Tag in. Stud comes along. They keep working Davy Boy Smith's ribs. Another kick to his ribs. Big John Stud whips Davy Boy into the corner and runs in to squash him. Oh, that sounds like a King Kong Bundy move. Let me just make sure I got. No, it says Stud. So it's not an avalanche. That's coming. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, if Big John Studd avalanched you, you're yeah, still yeah, pretty screwed, hurts. right? Yeah. If uh, And, like, he would just do more like a shoulder tackle squash yeah. where Bundy uses his belly. Right. <laughs> the belly 
mustache. And Rikishi, look out. <laughs> <laughs> Butt first. That's right. I've got here club chop. Like they, they just start clubbing him and chopping him. <laughs> and like just he is like a punching bag, Davy Boy Smith, for these two massive guys. He does he's not able to actually after that uh, big John Stud run in, he's not actually able to make his tag, unfortunately. You keep waiting for the hot tag, but you can comment on this a little bit after the match. We think there's something wrong with Dynamite because he's he's yeah. been looking great, but he hasn't taken a bump. That's right. So he's dishing out offense, but looks like he can't yeah, get he probably hurt. Yeah, needs to be controlled. Yeah. yeah, exactly. At one point, Big John is preventing the tag by standing kind of in the middle of the ring and just holding Davy Boy's wrist. And because he's so powerful, Davy Boy's reaching for dynamite, but he he can't go anywhere when <laughs> Big John's got you. And, and then he just yanks him back, and then he lets Davy Boy get closer and closer, and yanks him back like some cruel dog owner, you know? Like, <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, it looks pretty effective. So they're um. Not letting dynamite into the ring. They get Davy Boy into their own corner again, and they're clubbing and chopping, and then they give him the Rougeau treatment because uh-huh. they both get into the ring. And yeah. they uh, this is what happened to uh, Raymond Rougeau several times in the match that we watched against, uh, was <laughs> it the, the, the Dream, Dream Team? Team? Yeah. 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 Where they would essentially... One guy would take the left arm, the other guy would take the right arm, and they would either walk him forward or sort of whip the guy yeah, forward. Exactly, momentum. So, and yeah, then and then they would pull him back really quickly into either the ring apron or into the corner. Yeah. So uh, he gets the Rougeau treatment, you know. <laughs> Stud and Bundy let Davy Boy kind of walk towards his corner and then whip him real back into his own corner. Yeah. And since there's a double team happening, they're both in the ring. I think uh-huh. Bundy, Bundy climbs back out of the ring, but this is enough for Dynamite to get involved, and he jumps onto Big John Stud's back. For the sleeper, <laughs> AWA style. That's right. It's amazing how people get so excited for the sleeper. Yeah. The most exciting move in wrestling is the sleeper. <laughs> so Bundy gets back into the ring. They were making quick tags, by the way, studying right. Bundy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and uh, we, as we've already mentioned, there hasn't been one on the other team. But uh, we we know why, and it, you wouldn't really remember it. Th- I did not remember oh, it yeah, this no, way. Oh, yeah, not at all. There was no I, clue to me at all. That there was only that one was bulldog yeah, exactly. ever the legal man. But, yes, Davy Boy is the legal man in this match for the entire match, and we're getting pretty close to going home. So Dynamite Kid is on Big John Stud with a sleeper maneuver, but since he's the illegal man, I don't That's know right. what he hopes to accomplish. <laughs> um, King Kong Bundy comes in, he just bats uh, Dynamite off of, off of Big John Stud, and, and pretty quickly Dynamite Kid kid is uh, out of the ring and stud and bunny are both in the ring now uh the ref is trying to uh, manhandle big john stud a little bit big shove so you know we're done because uh that's unless something really strange that's an automatic dq for sure yeah anyway it's non-title match and now ernie lad keeps saying they want to hurt the man and you know that's the plan if you hurt him now then you can take the title more easily later <laughs> and people are agreeing like yes indeed it's a, a sound strategy so now davy boy who's fought the entire match taking all the beating anyway right, yeah. <laughs> for the whole match is in there against stud and bundy and there's no dynamite so heenan gets up and he holds dynamite just kind of like morocco davy boy or dynamite sorry thank you davy boy yeah Dynamite's out of this picture. We can't really see him. He's off camera. And Heenan is holding Davy Boy Smith. And not only is he going to get an avalanche from King Kong Bundy, but Big John Stud is going to Irish whip. No, no. King Kong Bundy in for the avalanche. So all the this is no give me a break momentum from Morocco. You know, like I'll you know when you're already <laughs> yeah, falling yeah, to the yeah. ground, yeah, I'll just yeah, you know yeah. pat you on the back. Yeah, that doesn't help. But this looks like it's going to be crushing and the end of Davy Boy Smith. <laughs> oh no! So while the bad guys are setting up that, we actually do see Dynamite Kid climb up onto the apron and he goes for Heenan, but uh, the heels don't quite see what's happening. So 
Heenan hits the bricks, and Davy Boy's free, but he d- he stays in the corner, looking like he's ready to be squashed. So right, Big yeah. John whips King Kong Bunny towards Davy Boy, and since he's free, Davy Boy Smith falls to the ground, scuttles under the ropes, and King Kong Bunny crashes into <laughs> the ropes and takes a big bump himself, like ah, like he's just Take so that, injured. You big meanie. Yes, indeed. And we're thrilled that the day that the British Bulldogs have escaped because it is a disqualification for the heels. However, there is dissent. Uh-huh. The, the camera doesn't cut away just yet. No, no, no. The Bulldogs do, you know, take off because uh, they got out of there with their titles. That's so right. uh, we're happy with Mission that. Accomplished. Yeah. They're very silver belts, you know. Yeah, like that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah, looking at it last night. Cool. They, but I, you know, the special place in our, our hearts, of course, because of this timing. This, this is probably, uh, I'm going to say, uh, my favorite tag team title reign, For you sure, know. Yeah. Yeah, the, no the, the one year where the Bulldogs had the belt, so that was the most excited I ever was. And I was always so convinced that they were going to get them back. I couldn't believe they never got them That's back. Right, yeah. I never understood that. It was like, it's just a matter of time. Bundy's angry because he has been whipped into the empty corner. That's right. Takes that air, and, and he blames Dud. <laughs> so <laughs> they're shoving each other. Heenan has to get in there, and he looks so desperate to uh, keep the peace between That's the right. two guys. And he is able to calm things down. The crowd's happy because uh, the Bulldogs have... Uh, not been injured, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, like I said, uh, I remember seeing this match as a kid, and it was kind of like for me, it was the epitome of like something awesome on an otherwise boring show. The crapshoot was you could watch six hours of boring W Saturday morning wrestling, WWF Saturday morning wrestling, yeah, and something like this. This was it. The best, the best ever for me. Sneak surprise, uh, headliner match that I didn't see coming on what otherwise was just, you know, squash jobber matches. Yeah, there, you know, I, I think upon review, there, there probably is more good content on the syndicated show than we remember, but because there was the format of, like, so often there not being anything, that's what sticks in your mind. This yeah. is just the week after week of, okay, let's get to that Mean Gene update segment because that's going to be about the most, you know, entertaining thing on the on the card, but you're just so hungry. It's like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch and wait to see somebody's finisher and, you know, and all that stuff and hope that there's a promo and somebody yeah. shows up on the screen to talk I, about the next fight. And I'll say this lives up to the memory. This match was yeah. great fun. And, like, boy, did they ever work around Dynamite's injury brilliantly. Yeah, I rewatched – I didn't rewatch this this week. And I had rewatched it months ago, so I sort of all the really strong memory is just that the Bulldogs alone could not muster any offense, but together they were unstoppable. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's somebody said like you once one of them got out of the ring, and then then Davy Boy would start getting beaten up. You, you see, I think it was Bruno, or I don't know, but yeah. anyway, like. On their own, you know, not capable of much, but yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. But they got so many double team moves in, it was really yeah. great. Yeah, so this is around that time where we talked about in a previous show that Dynamite's going to start missing some dates for quite a while. He's not going to be on, you know, any of these house show cards. Davey Boy's wrestling a lot of matches with different partners. He's wrestling singles matches, and, you know, Dynamite does reappear, you know, later in the summer, but there's definitely a period of time where from that you know, the main event we saw in May with Sheik and Volkov, the ridiculous match up until later in the summer. And then we start seeing Dynamite and Davy Boy again. So that's really what we're going to focus on next is one of those matches where Dynamite's not around. It's the June 16th primetime edition. And we've got an interesting match. It's a six-man tag, a strange booking. It's Davy Boy Smith with Pedro Morales and Dan Spivey. 
Both these guys show up as being partners of his throughout this period, along with people like King Tonga, Bieber and Blair, and, and others. But that's who's here. And they're going to be taking on the Dream Team and Johnny V. <laughs> Okie dokie. That's right. So they're trying to keep, I think, a bit of a feud going here, obviously, between the Bulldogs and the Dream Team. The Bulldogs have a lot of different opponents throughout the summer, with and without Dynamite in that, those matches. Of course, we've got to take a little moment with the Heenan segments with Monsoon. So uh, they're talking about the match at the beginning of the show. And at one point, Monsoon, who's famous for being known as a, quite the gambler, <laughs> mentions to Heenan, do you want to lay a bet? And he, Heenan says, yeah, sure, 50 cents. <laughs> He's going to bet 50 cents on the match. But it's pretty, it's pretty funny. I missed one part when I was skipping through. They went to commercial and came back. And Heenan is upset at Monsoon. I missed what it was. But he spends the rest of the episode on the phone on hold with the USA Network trying to get Monsoon removed. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really funny. <laughs> so we get into this main event. They go to the ring. Actually got Monsoon and, and uh, Lord Alfred Hayes on the call because, of course, Primetime would take a collection of matches from different arena shows and different tapings and kind of squash them back together. So in this case, the host of the show was actually... Also part of the commentary team. What happens here is pretty simple. <laughs> I'm not liking this formula. So Pedro and Dan Spivey control early, beat up the heels, bang them around, knock them around, do whatever they want with them. They don't take a lick of punishment. I don't think there's. They don't think they take a single blow. Uh, they tag Davy Boy in. I think he does like one or two moves, ducks his head for a back body drop, takes a kick, and then basically gets beaten up the rest of the match. Like no. I, I'm not sure. I think maybe it's like the backstage ribbing is coming to haunt them or something because I think the booking we're starting to see is like, the, you know, the Bulldogs are punching bags like, you know, a lot of the times. And it's quite frustrating as title chasers. They're, you know, they're dominant as, as tag team champions. They're like, they can't do anything. It's really strange. I'm, wow. Yeah. So you think the backstage politics. Are I'm just making that up. I'm huh. just, you know, I'm speculating. Yeah. Why would they book that? I've got an idea on another one as well, but I'll save that for another match. But. Uh, yeah, so once he's in there, they're just really doing a lot of double teaming and choking behind the ref, you know, behind the ref and all that stuff. David Way's able to reverse a Valentine attempt of a pile driver at one point, but he continues to be worked over. He can't get out of the ring, and Brutus and Greg Valentine are working his leg. They're coming in and out, and Brutus is actually even working step over toe holds. And Monsoon's is is, is sure that Beefcake's gonna be slapping this figure four on. <laughs> maybe maybe Valentine's teaching him how to do it or something like that. But sure enough, this does eventually lead to a Valentine figure four, and he basically he's not gonna be able to get out of it. So Pedro Morales comes in and saves him. But he's not able to get out of the ring from this save. He's continuing to be beat on. Even Johnny V is getting his shots in on him, and you know, part of whipping him into the corner and into oh. you know Beefcake's boots and stuff like that. I like it when Johnny V gets beat up, not when he's beating people <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, that's that's coming. <laughs> ah! Ah! At one point, it looks like Davey's going to be able to get a tag, but Greg actually quickly goes over, and this is the only time they take any damage. He hits Morales and Spivey, you know, on the apron and kind of knocks them away so they can't make the tag and just keeps, you know, keeps everything for the heels' advantage. And uh, Johnny V's even sneaking in and giving the boots to Davey Boy <laughs> behind the rest back. It's just no so respect. super frustrating. Yeah. So they're just triple teaming him. They're doing all this stuff to him. Finally, there is a moment where Davey Boy's able to get a reversal and nail, I think it's Hammer or Beefcake, into the corner. They make a quick tag to Johnny V, who comes in and starts giving Davey Boy the boots, but not before Davey Boy can make the extra hot tag, because he's just been, like, you know, beaten up for so long. I've skipped over so much of this match, you have no idea what they've done to him. So Spivey comes in and just starts kicking Johnny V's ass. <laughs> like, you know, he's, and, and Spivey's huge, and he's super lean, and he's just, like, his stuff looks stiff. Like, he looks like he's, he's nailing people, like, you know, uh, when, he's, when he's doing his offense, it, it looks really deadly. 
So, of course, everyone gets comes in the ring at this point. As soon as the good guys get that hot tag, it's like, you know, it's time for everybody to be in the ring. So bodies are flying everywhere, and Johnny V's not really helpful to anybody. What we end up with is once the good guys sort of clear out the bad guys, Johnny V's sort of left alone, and he's kind of staggered in the middle of the ring like a, you know, a video game character completely stunned. And Pedro Morales comes up behind him, and he does... Basically, what it amounts to a backbreaker, but it starts. It looks like it's going to be an atomic drop. So he lifts him up into the up into the sky, feet first, you know. But then, as he's coming down, instead of nailing his his knee into his butt, he actually shifts the positioning. So now he's cradling him as he comes down and slams that back across his knee. And Dan Spivey takes that opportunity to jump on jo- Johnny V and get the one, two, three. And Davy Boy, that was his only moment of glory, is that he exchanged blows with uh, Valentine and ma- managed to stagger Valentine and knock Valentine out of the ring. But it's like, you know, other than that, it was like, this was the Davy Boy takes a bunch punishment match, and these other two ham and eggers <laughs> get all the glory. Well, that has something in common with our first match. Exactly, yeah. So it's pretty funny when they <laughs> when they go back to the uh, the set with Monsoon and Heenan, they're still bickering back and forth, and Heenan, because it's the end of the show, so they're like, we gotta go, and Heenan wants to stay on the air, so until he can get through on the call, because <laughs> they keep right. saying he's on hold, right. and he, he mutters under his breath to uh, Monsoon, you'll be doing car- cartoon capers when I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> in the main event last month Hulk Hogan was ready to pin King Kong Monday but from out of nowhere came Adrian Adonis so this month the adorable one battles the Hawkster for the world heavyweight championship all this plus much much more including appearances by the Funk Brothers and Tito Santana so please stay with us as Prism proudly presents Spectrum Wrestling okay we're going to fast forward to July 26th. It's Philadelphia Prism TV Spectrum Wrestling. And I turned 14 once again. Yay! <laughs> Happy birthday, Jeff. <laughs> so we pulled a few things from this. But, of course, whenever we're in Philly, I was actually able to find. This was great. I found the whole file. Because sometimes we're just finding, like, clips of files of matches and stuff like that. Maybe a 10, 15-minute match. And if we're really lucky, there's a Cal interview, you know, attached to it. In this case... I found the entire card, like the whole the whole night of wrestling minus the commercials. So it's like a it's a two hour and twenty minute file or something like that, and there's lots of good stuff on it. One of the first things we're gonna look at here is Cal Rudman with our man Tito Santana. It's like look at this, Tito finally getting some interview time. Yeah, a, a bit you know, a <laughs> little, little bit too late. yeah, too little too late. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. he's got his uh, Ariba Santana shirt on, and he, it's not the greatest interview. And I think, again, we've talked about it. Cal does best when he's with the heels. Yeah. <laughs> Cal yeah, with the baby yes. face, is, yeah. it's, it's not quite the same. But, no. it, you know, it's okay. You, uh, you're quite right. Yeah. So they're talking. He's going to be fighting Bob Orton at this card. And they're talking a lot about, you know, Bob's dirty tactics. And Tito says, well, he's not the same person anymore because he doesn't have Roddy Piper. And he doesn't have the cast. I don't have to worry about him knocking me out with the cast. And I don't got to worry about Roddy Piper. It's got to, you know, it's got to wrestle him. He compliments Bob Orton, but it's kind of a straightforward thing. Cal mentions, like, you've wrestled many times in the past, and, and Tito corrects him and actually says, well, actually, we've only met one other time, which and I knew what he was talking about, which was the first MTV special. Tito Santana as Intercontinental Champion defended his belt against Bob Orton. Aha. Uh-huh. So they did have one really high-profile match in the back in the past. And Tito's, you know, again, he, he repeats himself. He kind of keeps talking about what's changed, what's different, but he's, you know, he's going to do it tonight. And the, the ending is quite good. And so Cal tells Tito, I'm putting my money on you. And he's like shaking his hand. <laughs> he's got this big smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what ends up happening is they have a, you know, a good match and everything, but it ends up being a 20 minute draw, which both competitors are not happy with. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Ace Cowboy Bob Orton never really got uh, to shine on his own. 
he was always, you know, the sidekick to Piper. And I would have liked to have seen a bit more of uh, what he might have been able to do if he wasn't sort of playing a bit of, you know, a stooge for Piper. Yeah, I mean, he, he has a long history through the different territories. Uh, he's an important part of the first arcade storyline between race and, and flair. Uh, I do think that he's got a lot of success. He held a lot of different regional titles, things like that. So, you know, he comes from a rich family history of wrestling, and uh, and he's a great performer. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching him work. And he's he's not done yet. He's just yeah, like you're right. He's got a ceiling on him. That's that's the thing, right? And he and he's kind of as you said, he's kind of he's been typecast. Yeah, in the WWF. Yeah, he's a bodyguard, and that usually limits what you can do. I mean, Diesel started as a bodyguard. Exactly, yeah. For example, yeah. but that, you know, things went better for him than they ever... <laughs> or, I mean, right. like you say, like, I guess this was the, uh, not the, the the golden years for Bo- Cowboy Bob, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot he's of... not that old, though. I mean, you no. see a lot much older wrestlers. This is no Vern Gagne. No, no. <laughs> so another great interview segment is Cal Rudman with the magnificent one, Don Morocco. Yeah. Well, Don Morocco, he's in on it. He loves Cal, and it's pretty great. Actually, I couldn't even tell. Has Morocco turned? Is he a face now? He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Yeah. Well, it's awesome because, uh, you know, they look like old pals. Morocco is super friendly with Cal. And uh, Morocco's doing some rhyming, and, you know, he's he's pretty slick, actually. He's really great. Morocco gives a terrific interview. Yeah. You know, the way that you say that Cal just loves his heels uh, comes across and and it's like a conversation and it's not full of threats and belligerence. It's kind of, you know, more like insightful, you know, chats yeah. with, with bad guy wrestlers. That's right. You'll have to rem- help me remember the zingers about how and what, what exactly <laughs> Cal says. But he always says something like, you're the best or, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's definitely supporting him. Yeah. And, and, and Mason Morales was basically pumping his own tires. I'd have to watch it because I wasn't going to be commentating on it. I didn't take any notes on it or anything. But yeah. I just found it very enjoyable. Like they were having fun. Yeah. Like, and it was, this, I did laugh like several times yeah. during. Yes, indeed. This is all leading up to a match he's going to have with the Junkyard Dog. And it's not just any match, it's a dog collar match. Yeah, it's pretty cool because he does ask like uh, chains. They're gonna they're gonna chain you up. What are they gonna they're gonna <laughs> chain you, whip you with the chains. What's going on? And you know, like, at first I'm thinking like that's not gonna go well. He's like, no one's gonna whip me in a chain. What are you talking about? He's like, well, I'll explain it to you, Cal. You know, and yeah, yeah. And what is he? Oh, I know. He calls. Uh, I this is a good one. He goes, Morocco, wait, Killer Cal, Star Maker, Magnificent Morocco, Star Breaker. Because <laughs> we've talked about Cal Rudman and his connection to other celebrities That's and right, yeah. you know being much more than this little wrestling personality that he yes. he, he plays. He's also uh, an event coordinator and a promoter and a shaker and you know and he's apparently a, a very beloved guy that has helped people's careers and generous yep. and and uh just all around so yeah like you just get the sense that morocco the, uh, of the cal interviews this is easily the best one that uh, uh, you know yeah that uh, we because we got to see a few here yeah and uh when we get to adonis like adonis doesn't want to engage with cal That's and right. it's just yeah, a, yeah. it's just a Crying shame because Adonis is a very competent speaker. That's right, yeah, and you see that. A lot of fun with that. Yeah, so that's too bad because like Cal's ready to love him, but Adonis is just shutting him out. Won't, won't make eye contact. But yeah, Morocco's right in there shaking his hands and you know uh, <laughs> shaking hands and just generally accepting the love. It's way better when the heels let Cal yeah, Rudman yeah. praise. Yeah, and they they start with like. Hey, you're a smart man, and yeah. you know, like they, they yeah. <laughs> it's like they have this partnership. Exactly. Yeah. So or Roddy good. Piper kissing him on the head. So, 
It's fun. So it's so unique to think of a dog collar match in the WWF. Like I just, you know, never, you know, of course there's a really famous Roddy Piper, Greg Valentine match in the NWA, but there's, you know, I can't think of any actual dog collar matches in the WWF. They obviously happen like this on host shows. Just skip over this whole match because we're not here to cover that match. Uh, if I remember correctly, the ending comes from Junkyard Dogs down on the ground. And I think Morocco's up on the second rope. I think he's maybe going for his uh, his Asian spike. Basically, Junkyard Dog meets him with the chain. <laughs> so basically, like, Morocco lands, like, getting punched in the face, throat, whatever. Doesn't hit the spike. He ends up just, you know, getting smashed in the face. And Dog gets the cover off of that. So that's how that, how, that's how that match ends. And, you know, it's not a big bloody affair like the NWA one. But I'm sure uh, there was lots of good chain moments. But we'll keep moving here. We have a, a They did refer to um, Miss America. Don Morocco came in and said, last time I was here, Miss America, you know, she accompanied Paul Orndorff. Yes, that's ring. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they make reference to her, uh, Denise Charles or something like that. And yeah. uh, and and it's like Morocco said, uh, he was like, I was coming to the interview, Killer Cal, and, you know, she did a little twirl, a little swoon, fell into the arms of the Magnificent One. He said, oh, she sure did. Oh, she was. <laughs> she loved you. She's all over you. <laughs> Like so that he really shone. I didn't realize oh, yeah, that yeah. he could be very charismatic because oh, like sure, Morocco yeah. was smiling. Yeah, like you said, they had a great time. So it was yeah. a really enjoyable one to watch. That's right. But let's talk about lighter things. Let's talk about tete tete, coast to coast, drinking champagne with stars. Last time you were here with Miss America. That's right. Saw saw the magnificent Morocco absolutely spun around and faded <laughs> right in your eyes, didn't she? Who's that, Charles? Oh, she remembers my name. I have a hard time with names. Magnus Morocco's been etched her She was one of my, she was, she was one of Junkyard Dogs fellas, wasn't she? <laughs> she come from Junkyard Dogs part of town. And she's over here looking at Magnificence like, I was some type of pork chop or something. <laughs> Which, hmm. So the blood isn't going to bother you tonight, huh? It never bothers me, Kevin. Never did before. It turns me on. When they get excited, when they start to roar, when they start to stand and cheer, when the electricity is at, is at a peak, it never gets any other time. You know, Magnificent Morocco is in the ring doing his thing, brother. I love you to death. We'll be right back. So the main event of this show, and a match we're going to cover, because I think it's really key to... Suzette Charles, did I get it right? Yeah, there it is. You I said Denise, but Suzette Charles sounds right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So we got a big title match, and this is the, the moment that maybe everyone thought was lost, but here it is. It's Hulk Hogan defending his title against the adorable Adrian Adonis. But before we get there, we got Jimmy Hart with Cal Rudman. Right. Rudman loves Jimmy. He's like, rock and roll star Jimmy Hart. Because <laughs> Jimmy's a good singer. Yeah, yeah. On the Slammy Awards, he was the, uh, the award show. He was the only one singing live, and he sounds great. Right. Everybody else is lip-syncing. And, uh, of course, Cal's got his big, well, I, I, I don't want to say shit-eating grin because he's just a terrible, that sounds like <laughs> yeah, yeah, a nasty yeah. thing to say. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, yeah. adoring. Yes, it's just adoring grin. Having yes. fun. And uh, so, yeah, he calls Jimmy Hart a rock and roll star. Cal makes Jimmy look big because right. Jimmy's taller than him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, when they get Adrian in, Adrian is just. He just wants to cut it. Like, yeah. It's like, let's he, go. Yeah. He, he doesn't want to play the Cal games. Yeah, it's too bad. It's, it's, it's like the opposite of the Morocco. Because Adonis could have talked about himself and talked himself yeah. about how great he was, and Cal would have been like, yeah, you're right. You're it right. would have been back and <laughs> forth. You know, what Cal's job is to just keep that microphone, you know, right by the, you know, yeah. the blowhole. So he's really got to. I love when he, like, goes to talk in the middle of, of his interviewee, like, you know, talking, how quick he is. Like, he, yeah. he'll, he brings the mic to his mouth to say something and then he's like you know like the flash yeah. <laughs> the mic's back in the other person's face yeah. he tried but adonis wasn't biting no okay so we're gonna go check out this main event in philadelphia so we're in the ring 
and we see adorable Adrian Adonis with quite a bit of pink in his hair. He always kind of, he had slightly different looks depending on, you know, what match he was in and what he has on. But he has the scarves and uh, he's ready. We got Jimmy Hart's with him. And he doesn't I have believe that is scarves. Scarves. Yes. <laughs> and he doesn't have the diffuser, but he's got a little bottle of perfume. He's got the little sprayer. <laughs> and, and the megaphone. He, he or Jimmy? Jimmy. Jimmy's got like the little like he's oh you know, one he's, hand yeah he's got a little, little oh bottle yeah with a I forgot oh that's right no, see, she, that was the best part of the Cal and Jimmy <laughs> Cal sitting standing there like tonight we have action and like suddenly there's like the mystifier is behind him like Jimmy Hart what are you doing <laughs> well, to me in you? some ways he kind of gives it away because he kind of sprays it right in Cal's face and Cal doesn't like react like oh I'm blind <laughs> yeah I'm keeping you ready for the adorable one <laughs> but he still loves it you rock star that's right. So Hogan's music hits and plays for like a really long time. And then finally, like, you know, finally, after a really big delay, he starts coming out. Hogan does. And the camera finally switches to show him. And out he comes. But we're, he's still in the white. He's in the all white with the blue knee pads. And he's got his made, he is, you know, made in America. So, again, this is, you know, we're sitting here looking at June or July or July 26. So, you know, he hasn't made that transformation yet. Good. That's right. And the crowd's really going bananas even before he got out. Once he comes out, he's just going nuts. There's a really great moment, though, as he gets up on the apron and he's doing his big point. In the background, you see this really awesome sign that says, The old Orndorff rules again. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's right. Philly likes their heels, so that, uh, that, that makes some sense. So Dick Graham, the other commentator with Monsoon, steals his line. He says, with Gorilla sitting right beside him, he says, It's a happening. <laughs> How dare you? Exactly. Those two guys, actually, their voices it often will sound quite alike when they mm. work together. It's a kind of it's not the greatest pairing because you're sort of like, which voice is which sometimes? And they talk about as things are getting set up here. How Adonis has bailed out Bundy the last month from ringside. He was sitting at ringside with a hat on, you know, and like during the Hogan Bundy match, and he like and Adonis interjected himself at the end of the match to you know to save Bundy from getting pinned by Hogan. I assume so. That's in their mind, and why Hogan wants some revenge on on Adrian for everything that he was involved with with the stuff that you know that comes up over the summer and what happened with Orndorff and because they, they basically got, got a monthly show going. And, Absolutely, yeah. Wow, and so uh, and I guess I'm just thinking about it now. One month it might be, uh, and, and they'll try to rotate, I guess, right? So wrestlers can get to different parts of the country. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, yeah, I'm not, uh, yeah, the booking, it's hard to say. This is when they're running their three, four shows a yeah. day, you know, like, and so yeah. people so, all over the place. Yeah. So, like, a wrestler, you know, if they didn't have three or four shows, then you could only get to 30 cities. Yeah, in that's 30 right. days, and then you repeat, right? <laughs> Somewhat, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was places that got one show a year, and there's places that got a show every month, and there's places that got a show maybe mm -hmm. four times a month, you know, a year right, or something. Right. Cause you just depending on where you were, right? You the hear big market's got, like, a continual. And you always hear of locations that are like, that's not a famous place. I'd never heard of it before. Yeah. But, like, you know, so-and-so wrestled so-and-so in what's this town in whereabouts, yeah. you know? In this era, too, so. they're still doing, like, random weird things, like a show at a high school. With like three matches, like Coco Beware versus somebody, you know, as the fourth show of the day, like at a high school, probably in front of 800 people or something, you know, like. Who are you going to call? And there you go. And on the same day that they're selling out a 25,000 seat arena, you know, like it's just kind of neat that they're sort of in both of those worlds at the same time. It's kind of, you know, it doesn't, you think once you reach a certain level, you're not going to be doing that type of show anymore, but. So Hogan's in, Hogan's in the blue and white. The blue and white, yeah. 
and he's ready to get some revenge on Adrian. So the ref's in between, and Adrian decides it's a good idea to come over and reach over the ref's shoulder and start fluffing Hogan in the face with like his, uh, you know, he it's not one of his scarves, but more of like a little kerchief or something that he's holding, almost like a little doily or something, I don't know. And Hogan's, that's enough to enrage him, so he just basically shoves the ref out of the way, and he charges Adrian back into the corner, and he grabs him around the neck by those scarves, and he basically beals him, which is almost like a hip toss, except for he's not doing a hip toss, he's using the scarves to do all the work. Right. And he flips Adrian out of the corner and you know, charges into the other corner and just starts li- nailing him with right hands and goes straight to it. Hogan's a cheater. He starts choking. <laughs> he starts choking no. him with those scars. And Adrian even steps up on the bottom rope so he's a little bit elevated, you know, like, and it looks like Hogan's kind of like lifting him up by the scarves. Not the case. It's like a visual illusion, let's call it. But yeah, uh, it's amazing. He is like such a heel for a face. Exactly. Hogan. He, he knows how to do it. So, yeah, he takes him off out of the corner, whips him off the ropes, and he's still got the scarves. So he gives him this big clothesline job with the scarves, but he turns it into, aha, he's learned something from Vern Gagne. He goes for, Hogan goes for the sleeper. Oh. And he's hiding the scarves. He's trying to hide the scarves under his arms, like as if, but the ref saw him do it in the first place. So the ref is immediately in there counting, and Hogan's like, no, no, it's just a sleeper. <laughs> it's like, everything's good. <laughs> I'm a real American hero. Yeah, I re- yeah, so much for the role model, right? <laughs> Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins so and cheat. Once Joey Morella forces him to break the hold, Hogan, in a very mocking uh, sort of format, takes the scarves and places them over Morella's neck. You know, he puts the scarves on the ref. Right. <laughs> well, you remember Dusty Rhodes always played a very a flamboyance. You know that was uh, uh, sometimes he just like you know came across slightly effeminate, you know, yeah. uh, when he was just, but, but, you know, I mean, so what? It was, he, Dusty Rhodes, the crowd loved him. He was <laughs> a super huge star. And so you can see the influence That's of right. Hogan from yeah, Dusty yeah, Rhodes. Yeah, absolutely. So Adrian staggers over the corner and falls like a drunk. He's just <laughs> out on his feet. And Hogan comes over and grabs two handfuls of hair. So if you can imagine, Adrian's basically on his knees, but kind of on his face. Like, he's almost like he's skydiving. He's, he's got his hands behind him, holding onto the ropes, trying, no, 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 trying to stay in the corner. And Hogan's trying to yank him out by the, uh, by the hair. So Morella finally starts doing his job. As, you know, he's probably listening to Jesse somewhere, you know, complaining. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> so finally, Adrian sneaks in his first attack of the match. And he gets in this shot to the stomach. And Hogan doubles over and falls out through the ropes. His head exposed. And Jimmy Hart behind the rest back gives a nice spray of perfume right in the face. So now we have Hogan blinded. Oh, no. (laughs) So Adrian starts using his patented kind of fish drops. I'm noticing, you know, how much he really uses those. He uses them a lot, multiple times per match. He does a very, you know, there's a Ted DiBiase fish drop. There's a Hawk fish drop. And there's an Adrian Adonis fish drop. Can't picture it. Yeah, it's kind of weird because he's such a big man that when he's dropping, it's like if he would just use, like, just fall on him you know like use your knee or your body like because the fist itself as you kind of joked about is like these small bones and so it's kind of you know it's a lot of work and movement and you know for not a lot of damage i would say he'd be a lot better off just dropping that 300 pounds <laughs> on somebody but yeah he does a couple of those and then he goes up to the second rope he's going for another fist drop but hogan rolls out of the way but it's a bit of a weird spot because adonis doesn't really sell like that that affected him very much and he beats hogan back to his feet and I'm kind of strained because normally the missed spot off the second or top rope is, you know, usually devastating to the person who who missed it. Right. I'm not sure. Take an injury if you miss yeah, your opponent. That's right. Supposed to. So he bounced off the ropes and he tries to li- line up an elbow drop, but Hogan rolls out of the way of that too. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> nothing's working for Adrian right now. 
So Hogan's back up with like a mini Hulk up, just a quick little correction, and uh, starts landing those right hands. And does a corner whip, and this is where we get the, the full flare flip, we'll call it. The flare flip in the corner, 360, all the way over, up and out to the outside. And it's pretty good, because he doesn't land on the apron, he goes all the way out, but he lands on his feet. So he's like, actually doesn't look that devastating to him. And he's like trying to walk it off, you know, he's trying to like, you know, collect himself. And he's, at this point, he's got his elbows on the on the apron, kind of holding his head. Jimmy's over there consoling him. So Hargan, Ho- Hogan, not Hogan, Hogan charges over, and he grabs Adrian's arm underneath the bottom rope. And he starts to drag him back into the ring. And Jimmy Hart decides this is a good time for a tug-of-war. So we get our junkyard <laughs> dog spot where, like, Hogan drags in Adrian and Jimmy Hart underneath the bottom rope. Battle of the Network stars. That's right. So Hogan gets a hand, his hands on both of them and does a long time, like, playing to the crowd, like, you know, should I do it? Should I do it? So we get the double noggin knocker. Bang. And so he nails them both with that. And then he whips Jimmy Hart into Adonis. And it looks hilarious. Jimmy Hart bounces off Adonis like he hit a brick wall, like he's a Super Bowl. He just bounces off of Adonis and goes flying to the mat. And Adonis takes the big spill over the top rope to the apron, but ties himself up Andre style. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, he, so now he's tied up in the ropes. And so then Hogan decides, well, it's time to keep beating up Jimmy Hart. <laughs> so he, and he's doing like which side, he's, he, which side of the arena is going to get Jimmy Hart. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he does this big atomic drop. And Jimmy Hart takes this bump where he goes over the top rope, but he doesn't quite have the momentum, I guess. So Hogan decides he's going to help him, so he gives a little flip on the feet. And actually, if you, I watched it back twice. Jimmy's foot clips Hogan in the chin. Ah, take <laughs> but Ho- that. But Hogan doesn't sell it at all. Like, he doesn't right. acknowledge the fact that he got kicked in the face. He just <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Terry. And what that does is it allows poor Adonis to have gotten himself out of the ropes and collect Jimmy's megaphone, which through all this has been left laying. And he comes and just clobbers Hogan with it from behind. But it's a pretty klutzy effort because Joy Morella is there with his back to this, but beside them. And the megaphone hits Hogan and then basically falls at, like, <laughs> Joy Morella's feet. And Adonis basically bumped into, like, you know, Morella really hard when he did it, too. So he basically, he got his attention and then dropped the, the weapon <laughs> at his feet. And then Morella has to play, like, I didn't see that. What's going on? Right. <laughs> so this did is how. Did you see that? No, no, I didn't see that. <laughs> So, yeah, so this is how Adonis finally, you know, gets a long stretch of, you know, finally having the the control of the match. I missed one really good thing in the opening. Hogan did this really good thing (laughs) in the opening of the match where he was instructing the crowd to keep an eye on Jimmy Hart. (laughs) He's like, like, which side's going to, you know, who's going to watch this guy for me? It was really funny. (laughs) So Adrian attempts a pin off of this, uh, you know, the clobbering of the megaphone, and he gets to a two and three quarters, but Hogan puts his foot on the rope. So Adonis does momentarily celebrate. But he pretty quickly returns to the attack. He doesn't pull the Nikolai or anything like that where he just, you know, can't understand that he, he hasn't won. And he pitches Hogan to the outside. And this is where we get a stretch where we just, they don't adjust the camera angle and we just can't see what's going on. And the commentators are telling you things, but you really can't see it. And Adonis goes to the outside and gets a chair right in front of the ref and starts like, he doesn't hit him with it, like, you know, whap him like, you know, with a, like a hammer or something. But, he's, but he pushes it into him. He puts it on top of him and puts all his weight on it, you know, and he's, I guess he's choking Hogan with it. You can't see or pressuring his ribs. And so it's sort of like, which one of these things that has already happened for Hogan and Adonis, like, that aren't, why aren't they DQ'd? Like, this isn't a no DQ match. So he's beating him up on the outside. They finally get the camera out, and they switch the angle. And it's really funny because Cal, <laughs> Cal's walking past Jimmy Hart, just as you, you know, when you change that camera angle, it's Cal and Jimmy are in the frame. So as we notice sometimes, Cal's at ringside and enjoying the match. So Hogan keeps attempting to get back in the ring, but Adrian's, you know, stopping him every time, knees knocking him off the apron. And eventually he actually brings Hogan back into the ring and he gives him this big suplex. 
It's really nice, like a 300-pound man, huge. Goes for a two count and gets a, and say, a weak kick out. So Adonis picks him up and gives him another suplex. And I thought that one was going to get reversed. You know, it looked like that kind of setup where it was like, oh, this isn't going to work. But no, he nailed him again with another suplex and another two count. So Hogan's crawling and staggers to his feet. He's doing you know, his best Ricky Morton. Help me, help me. He's <laughs> looking for help. <laughs> and Adrian's stalking him from behind. And when Hogan does make it to his feet, it's sleeper time. So it's, Good night, you know, Irene. Yeah, he's not calling it that yet, but oh. that's, what it, that's what it will become called. But okay. you're definitely he's using that sleeper. Ah. So, of course, there's a long stretch here where Hogan finally goes down, and the camera doesn't catch it very well, but we do have a, you know, a drop and a flop. And then Hogan... Not so fast. Weakly weekly holds his arm up on the third, the third one, and the fist starts shaking. Yep. And Hogan starts sitting up, and he starts getting up, but then he starts going down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes back down, and it's a really strange choice. Adrian lets go of the sleeper. Like, it, he basically looks like he's about to win. Yeah. And then he just lets go of it. <laughs> you know, this, this would be the tag match also, some of these same spots. Yeah, yeah. Or have bled over into the... Uh, right, yeah. Because Ho- he had a sleeper on Hogan and just let it go to climb the ropes. To climb the ropes, and that's yeah. exactly what he does. So he goes yeah. to the top rope, and now he's listening to me, because now he's going for the splash. He's going to put that big 298 pounds to work, and he's going to squash Hogan. But instead, he gets the knees. <laughs> the mm-hmm. knees and the shins and the gut. <laughs> the shoelaces. The shoelaces. <laughs> So Hogan crawls to the corner and pulls himself up, and the shaking begins. Ah. <laughs> it's time for Quick the hogs yeah, That's right. <laughs> so Adrian comes in and pounds him on the back, and we get a hoof face. And then he gives him a big chop, and Hogan puffs out his cheeks. <laughs> 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 and then Adonis backs off. He just like backs away from him, like scared. And Hogan, uh, you know, continues to shake until we get the complete. Well, that's, th- that's the advice we always get. Yeah, Don't yeah, hit him again. Him. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop this Hulk up. Step quick. That's right. Bail. Get out of there. <laughs> so Hogan completes the transformation to fully standing because he's always bent over when he's doing the Hulk up, right? Now he's yeah. fully standing up, and he's you know that wide-eyed superhero. He's ready to ready to kill everybody. And Hogan does not wait for the punch to block. He just goes right to attacking Adrian, and he whips him in the corner. And Adrian ducks that turnbuckle and takes the shoulder right in the post. It looks really uh, really devastating. Post in the shoulder. Post in the shoulder, yes. So it's time to be off the ropes and eat a big boot. So it looks like we're going home here. Hogan's ready to get that pinfall. But wait, Jimmy Hart has climbed the top rope with his megaphone. <laughs> but Hogan cuts him off. <laughs> Comes over and Midnight Express rocket launcher style. <laughs> he oh. throws Jimmy Hart on Adrian. <laughs> oh. It's really nice, like, the way, like, Adrian, he hits Adrian and then... I think Adrian helps him slide along so that Adrian, like the, Jimmy just keeps going. Does he manage to hang on to the, mic- the megaphone? Uh, Jimmy must have the megaphone, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And Hogan uses that because now Adrian's l- laid out flat in the middle of the ring. And so Hogan bounces off the ropes, drops the leg, and gets the three count. Yay! One, two, three! That's my exciting hour ring count, by the way, if anyone didn't notice. So it's pretty funny. So... <laughs> doing the post-match the camera doesn't catch it but the ring announcer is announcing uh hogan is the winner and all of a sudden it's like your winner hulk and then like you go back and adrian has like nailed the ring announcer and knocked him out (laughs) (laughs) so hogan's begging adonis to come back he's laid the belt down he's he's begging him to come back in the ring and the referee keeps getting in his way and hogan's trying to open the ropes he wants adonis to come back and adonis is thinking about it and jimmy hart's like no no we gotta go we gotta get out yeah. So then Hogan pulls a Tony Atlas. <laughs> he grabs the ref and sits him up on the top rope. <laughs> there you go. Out of the way. One Get side. Get out of the way. <laughs> and then, yeah, finally, after a really long delay, Hogan's music swells up. And then we get you know, a really long session of posing. 
And that's the end of this Prism card. The one really neat thing about this card earlier on in the broadcast is they actually read off like the, the next month's card. Like they, they, they hype these three tag matches that are coming back on the next Prism card. Smart. And it's really neat, yeah. So people like know that they need to come back. Or if you're watching on TV, you know, you got to tune in because you're going to get yeah. Prism well, TV. I got a real sense of it when we were watching Piper and Orton versus Orndorff and then Sam March. Well, rather, yeah. first it was, I guess, um, Piper and Orndorff. Yeah. And then they brought in the tag team partners of Orton and San Martino. That's right. In a, the following month. Yeah. So then that's when I really got a sense of like, oh, okay, this crowd has their own storyline. The people who come to see this show every month. And they were announcing, you know, after like the, the skirmish, uh, they were saying, come back, you know, in four weeks where we'll have a cage match between, <laughs> you know, they. And so they were announcing that the, the main event they announce a month beforehand. And we, I think we pretty much covered, at one point we covered, you know, both the um, the singles match and then the tag match, or something anyway. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to head over to, we're into August now. We're starting to catch up to where we need to be. So we're sticking with primetime wrestling, and there's back-to-back weeks. We're going to see singles matches from our big tag team rivalry between the Dream Team and the Bulldogs. So on August 4th, the Dynamite Kid takes on Brutus Beefcake in the main event. And basically, Monsoon wants to point out that Dynamite Kid is instrumental in stripping Beefcake of that title. And Heenan says it's really good. He's really nonchalant. He says, well, if you want to call it cheap shot from the outside instrumental, <laughs> he's got to... <laughs> Monsoon's like, that's your favorite thing. He's like, <laughs> I might have heard that and thought stripping, I mean, you know, because that implies Jack Tunney saying, oh, yeah, I will yeah, yeah, yeah. take the belt from you, you know, when you defeat somebody and remove the, you know, yeah, I guess you strip them of the title, but not in that same way of like the official saying you've done something wrong and you yeah. didn't show up for a date and, or, you know, yeah. And stripping of the title means like, I declare you're no longer champion. <laughs> So he then takes his opportunity to kind of make fun of their names, like the Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith, you know, like just like, you know, calls them punks. And then, he, then Monsoon says, what about Brutus Beefcake? And he's like, well, that's a fine name. <laughs> yeah, well, there's nothing uh, boyish. Or, yeah, you yeah, know. that's right. So when they get into the ring, Johnny V's just giving Dynamite the business. He's giving him the FU and <laughs> he's yapping at him. And there's this whole long delay before they start wrestling. And Dynamite's looking really ripped in this in this particular match, and he just looks really big for you know other than the height difference, he looks bigger than Beefcake. Like you know, like he's shorter than Beefcake, but his mm. the the chest, the shoulders, the arms, like he actually in Beefcake we know is a big yeah a big guy, Mini yeah. Hogan <laughs> in yeah. a way, right? <laughs> so yeah, we won't we won't cover this one blow for blow. There's uh, it's it's a good match. Uh, it's really fast. Dynamite isn't showing any signs of leg injuries like he had earlier in the summer. There's some shoulder tackles to begin with, and Dynamite is literally sprinting about as fast as anyone could possibly be running in a ring and hits Beefcake with a shoulder tackle. The second shoulder tackle, you know, that one just sends Beefcake just flying. It's a good back-and-forth match. Beefcake works a lot of arm stuff. Dynamite does, you know, he does, like, a lot of acrobatic stuff. Like, he'll do, like, his arm will be trapped, and then he'll start doing the, the cartwheel and the roll and the kip-up and the this and the that, and then eventually a fireman's carry, you know, to reverse something. So it's nice chain wrestling. These guys are comfortable with each other. They've wrestled a lot of matches against each other. They know how to work. There's a one spot. i got to give it to Beefcake, man. Dynamite's got this headlock, and Beefcake does an 
awesome belly to back suplex. Like I'm talking, Mr. Saito and Iron Sheik would be very proud of Ed Leslie. <laughs> like it looked, it wasn't you know, I wasn't expecting it when I saw him grab the waist. I was like, is he really gonna? And he did it. And I was like, oh wow, <laughs> never seen him do that move that I could remember. Even though obviously I've seen this match before. So yeah, there's there's a lot of back and forth. Obviously, Beefcake has a long stretch where he's just battering Dynamite Kid. Sometimes Beefcake's offense doesn't look very good. He does a lot of stuff where he'll like he'll run across the ring and jump in the air for like a really weak looking foot stomp, or he'll go up to the second rope and jump off and you know one foot stomp you, and it just it never looks like very devastating. Whereas you know Dynamite looks like his knee drops are <laughs> decapitating you. Yeah, well, you know they did eventually work an angle that showed me that unfortunately Beefcake at his at, well it it was sort of the worst of beefcake and what right. it was i think it was maybe a um it was a wcw version of wrestlemania where face hogan had been betrayed by his best friend yeah the mask I, came off and oh it was you know yeah. I, I don't know what they called him they wouldn't have been able to call him bruce beefcake he had so many names in yeah. wcw he was so he was called later after because I'm, I'm talking about now this is pre-nwo yes right yes so at one point they set up Beefcake as Hogan's best friend yep. and then the betrayal and then they tried to get a main event out of it. And yep. I, I looked at it and I had no idea that this had happened, that yeah. one of, one, that down the road Beefcake would be yeah. Hogan's. So then in real life they were best friends. Yes. So you'd think this is great potential for a storyline and it should have been. But, but because they couldn't actually play up the real – the real beefcake, you know, like, I think he was called the Zodiac at one point with the faces of fear with like Ming and like that group. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's pretty unfortunate. So the high point for beefcake in WCW would be like just him, former best friend fighting, challenging Hogan for the title. Yeah. Never mind, you know, like you say, the zebra paint, you know, um, yeah. uh, or um, later on, he just became another NWO stooge, you know, of, as the disciple. Yes, right. And, and I mean, like, he was looking great in these days, well, too. He, he, I, I didn't really, like, it's funny. I remember the Very disciple, fit. and it took me a long time to figure out who it was because they cl until they closed up on him, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Beefcake. Because he was down about, like, he lost a bunch of weight, but he was super cut, like, way yeah. more cut than he'd ever been. So, like, let's say he was, like, 35 pounds lighter than he was when he was wrestling, 40 pounds lighter. But he's, in a way, he looked bigger because it was just right. all muscle. <laughs> yeah, the, the by the time he was around to the, to the disciple shtick, yeah, he had like a much more defined six pack. It looked oh, like yeah. than, than the beefcake days. Yeah, I had no idea it was him because I would never think his physique would look like that. Yeah. When I finally figured out with that beard, I was like, oh my god, that's beefcake! Like, yeah. he just did not look like himself. So, so too bad it didn't work out for him yeah. when he had his chance to go one on one with Hogan for the big, sh yeah. the big sh the spotlight, and uh, the booking just didn't work out his way. Yeah, you know, he got a bunch of title matches in like '85 and stuff, but that was before the audience had been established to the connection between these two. You know, like if you were really on the know and knowing their bolder connection with their previous characters, then you could get excited about that. But nothing would compare to the post-1989 Zeus and Randy Savage versus Hogan and Beefcake, like that friendship period. That's when you, after that point, now you've established this thing that the the friend, <laughs> the, right. which is the Hogan storyline throughout his career, is like he needs the friend to portray him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too bad it fizzled uh, yeah. in WCW circa And for the most part, they were like kind of made-up friends. They were kind of these like friend of the moment, whereas Beefcake was the real friend. Right. <laughs> you know, this like, is where I go to OSW and learn That's all right. this stuff because yeah, I wasn't course. watching. And, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, man, too bad they really squandered this. Like, Beefcake's doing a comedy bit at the main event. It just didn't work. Yeah. And it was awful. I mean, I, I like Beefcake, but this was, was a bad match, Hogan and Beefcake yes. for the belt. It was too bad. But, you know, we, thumbs up to Ed Leslie. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to go home on this match here. There's a spot where Dynamite Kid's on the apron and Beefcake's going to suplex him back in. 
but Dynamite, as Jeff alluded to with a body slam earlier, Dynamite uses that suplex attempt as a way to go up and over and behind and then reverse, reverse rolling cradle for the one, two, three. And then Beefcake immediately attacks Dynamite and gets in like all these shots and puts him up upside down in the corner and gets his knee and he's putting all the boots to him. And then Davy Boy comes in and chases Beefcake off. And Johnny Valiant tries to get in there and get the kicks in on Dynamite. <laughs> and then Davy Boy runs back in the ring to get Johnny V and just narrowly, you know, misses getting him. And to me, Dynamite's doing an awesome job of selling. Or maybe he actually hurt, like, re-injured that knee because, like, it, he really looks like he's really uncomfortable, like, once they get him down from the, uh, you know, again, that could just be him doing his job and making it look like something. But but the attack wasn't on his knee, you know? Like, so I'm like, why is he selling his knee so much if it wasn't, you know, maybe he actually hurt it. Right, right. Who knows? But this is a double feature. Now this we have the other. Feature. So we're going to come back the next week with the other half. And I'm going to tell you that these matches are very familiar to me because they were on the, the videotape, The Best of the British Bulldogs. Ah, okay. And so that tape features different matches. The Stud and Bundy matches on that tape. Oh. And, uh, and there's also single matches between Neidhart and Hart, Bret Hart, versus the Bulldog singles matches. Yeah. So, again, we'll go through this pretty quick. It's a really heavy physical match like they're just really clobbering each other valentine and, and davy boy with forearm shots uh it's good back and forth there's a lot of stuff going on of course with valentine trying to get the figure four he does get the figure four davy boy does climb you know crawl to the ropes to get the break basically when they go home it's kind of a little bit unsatisfactory the ending of the match davy boy davy boy uses a back suplex out of a headlock to sort of get out of trouble he does hit his power slam on valentine and Valentine kicks out. So I was a little bit, ah, foot on the rope, please. Or, you know, Johnny V distract the ref <laughs> yeah, or something, you know? Something. Like, come on, don't kick out of the power slam. What like, is all this disrespect yeah. to the Bulldogs? You know, what ends up happening at the end is that Davy Boy basically reverses. There's, there's Davy Boy selling the, the leg that's been worked on. So he looks quite hurt. He does this big, powerful reversal whip into the corner, which really nails Valentine. But they show, like, he falls after he does the whip. Like, he can't follow it up. Like, he's going to charge in, but his leg gives out on him. So he goes down to one knee. And Hammer uses this opportunity to go up to the second rope and come off with a hammer shot to the back of the head for the clean pin. One, two, three. Oh. Yeah. Well, and I mm. was like, as a kid, I was devastated. When I watched this tape, I was like, I looked at the cover. I'm like, is this not the best of the British Bulldogs? <laughs> like, why is, why, <laughs> right. why is he losing? And I, when I watched the match again, I'm like, okay, the match is better than I remember. And for the storyline here of the Bulldogs versus the Dream Team, it kind of makes sense to go one and one, right? Like, yeah. to keep the suspense up. Yeah. But as a kid, I'm just like, I don't care. I just want to see the Bulldogs win. Yeah, I know. And it's hard to kind of think of the Bulldogs as a smaller team, but certainly Dynamite versus Beefcake. Yes. There's not so much in the latter matchup. Yeah, I mean, Greg's thick. He is heavier than Davey Boy, because at Davey Boy's peak, he's bigger than Valentine, but at this point, he's not. He's still being listed at 240 or 244. I mean, he get, Davey Boy gets up to, like, 280 or whatever. That, 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 that Davey Boy would be a lot bigger than Valentine, but he hasn't completely puffed up yet. Yeah, he's got a different—they've got different physiques, but Valentine still is the bigger man. Yeah. Um, but still, you just don't want to see your champs give up clean— Yeah. There was one interesting commentary point, which I kind of understood. Ernie Ladd was on the call with Monsoon, and I believe Johnny V. I think we got our big event you know, broadcast team here on this, this particular show. Ernie Ladd does make a point that while Davey Boy is probably more powerful than Greg, Greg Valentine is, that Greg Valentine could take more punishment. And Monsoon definitely agreed with that. And it kind of made sense when you look at their characters. Like, the, the Bulldogs occasionally will sort of be glass glass tigers, so to speak. You know, like, it can Yeah, they mean. booked them that way, yeah. yeah. Like, 
That's I mean we saw Davy Boy tap out to the Iron Sheik. Yeah, I don't know if we've mentioned our disappointment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and here I booked again. an appointment for therapy. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, a tag match where they you know it just looks like they make the Bulldogs job. Yeah, yeah, it's not it. They're they're not all uh, <laughs> the main event match against the Dream Team where they kick their ass for you know eighty percent. Well, that very would, rare. That might have been my first look and why we were yeah. so like, how could you? So you know, smitten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I mean they just came across so dangerous and powerful in that first look against the Dream Team. I, I don't think I think I mentioned when we covered it. I'm like, this never happens again. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we are getting to the point now of the big storyline. So again, you're going to have to go over to Patreon to really take in the full experience of Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan's feud, which we'll be releasing hopefully quite soon. But the other main thing that happens is the return of you know one of the biggest stars of the company who's been absent since WrestleMania 2, essentially. So it's an August 18th flower shop edition, and there's a special guest. Yes, indeed. Well... As I said earlier, Adrian Adonis is quite skilled on the mic. You always have articulation. He's easy to understand, and he doesn't really flub. Um, so he's a good choice to host. And really, it's like they give everybody a chance. You know, there was Jesse's Body Shop. Uh, you know, Jimmy Hart subbed for Piper's Pits. Morocco. Yeah, Morocco a lot on the Body Shop, yeah. Sir, uh, you know, subbed. Shortly, Jake gets, you know, uh, the, the Snake Pit. And so it's not uncommon, although we never had this in the AWA. You didn't have wrestlers interviewing other wrestlers. I think this was part of, like, and especially since you saw the famous coconut shot Piper to Snuka, the making the change from AWA to WWF, this was something that was distinguished them. You know, that whole... Yeah, it's like the wrestlers had their own ability to speak to the audience in a way that, yeah, AWA wrestlers didn't. I mean, AWA wrestlers had a microphone sticked in their face, and that was... And that was it. That's how it happened. Adrian says he's going to interview the magnificent Morocco, but who should wander onto the set but Rowdy Roddy Piper? And he's... He's back! Yeah. Now, Piper used to... What was beautiful was that there were times leading up to now where I thought that he might have gone too far and got attacked by heels that he was kind of ribbing or deriding on. Sometimes he just... uh, I mean, yeah, he would be disrespectful almost, you know, and mocking (laughs) to, you know, some badass villains. And I thought, oh, but that was as bad, you know, bad guy Piper. That's right. He comes in. Thankfully, it doesn't get strictly, like... Oh, you're just queer and I hate you. It, it 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 doesn't do that. You know, there's that whole uncomfortable angle of like, why should we hate Adrian Adonis just because he's gay? Like, we that's wrong to to make that supposition. So this not too cringy, but that's always in the background a little bit when you've got this heel who's really hitting up that persona. So anyway, Piper comes in and uh, you know he's just says, "I'm ready." Ready, I'm back. I'm uh, ready to take over Piper's Pit. This all was always my thing. And, uh, you know, he's not impressed that the microphone is wrapped up with a bunch of flowers. And uh, <laughs> they've, they've spent quite a bit of money to get all yeah, this yeah. greenery. Yeah. So Piper tries to dismiss Adrian Adonis and say, I'm ready to take my show back. But, you know, Adonis is ready. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Piper, but the contract says it's now the flower shop. And uh, it's I have a right to be here and I'm not going anywhere. And, I, and guess what? I have a surprise for you. And he's like, oh, what's that? And out comes Cowboy Bob Orton with his new moniker, AC, with a pink cowboy hat. What? Yep. Actually, 
Ruddy used to call him AC all the time. That's right. Yeah, so he's like, AC? Oh, they call you AC now. And I'm like, wait a minute. You used to say that. He's like, I need my AC. I need my AC. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty good. He's like, it's it's a slow burn. Yeah. They don't go for strangling each other right away. He's It's great. Appeal. Piper tries to appeal. They say, come on, well, man. Course, what are you yeah. doing? What are you doing? They've been through so much together. And like I say, I, I think I always wanted a bit more Cowboy Bob. Now you've got that gravelly voice. It's money. It comes down to money, Piper. You were paying me peanuts. It's money. That's all it is, baby. <laughs> and, like, it's very believable. You like yeah. it. You're like, that sounds, you know. We also think about it. He, he was always teasing Bob. He was always making fun of Bob. Yeah. Like, you know, he was always yeah. picking on him a bit, right? There was definitely, it was, <laughs> you know, Bob get rag. He would get ragged. The time that uh, the Sudden Bundy were interviewed, and, you yeah, know, yeah. they were picking him up, up and getting him ready to Bobby slam him and, <laughs> you know, teasing. They were going to do all this damage to Cowboy Bob Orton. And I was like, oh, man, you really are like the Omega male here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this nice dynamic between cowboy bob orton and piper where he's like you know think it over man i'm giving you one chance to stick with me you know or stick with these guys cowboy bob's like no i'm i made my choice so uh instead of a big brawl piper just pulls one flower tucks it behind cowboy bob's ear and you know kind of makes a slightly like well i guess you're gay too joke or something i don't know it's it's not it's you know i don't love it could have been worse i'm glad they didn't lean in harder to that piper makes his exit and the there's no fight so yeah. good, just tension. Yeah, I, I think looking back, that I missed some episodes in this around the, in this summer, and that definitely the the Piper angle had fast forwarded for me. I missed probably a couple of these segments, and it was sort of I missed the breakup. I mean, I like I'm like, what the hell? Why isn't Cowboy Bob with Roddy Piper? It didn't make any sense to me, right? Right. And I think more now as an adult. Wait, wait, you just said why is Cowboy Bob with Roddy Piper? Why, why isn't he with? Oh, why isn't he? With? Oh, maybe I misheard yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Either way, that's what I, that's what I was trying to say. Right. Regardless of what I did say, and, and I think as an adult, I, I've really leaned hard into this. It's like cheap writing in Hollywood TV, whatever is always the the friends always followed. You know, it's the 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 guys never stick together. You know, it's always, there's always the betrayal, and so I always want that to actually not be the case. I always want that to be like, oh, why don't they actually like stay loyal for once? You know, so that was another part of it that like gets at you that you're sort of these guys should be working together, not uh, you know, not against each other. And so that was it was interesting, you know, and I, I hadn't seen there's certain clips from this whole thing, which we'll get to because there's more of this stuff obviously coming up that will be burned into your brain and you'll see it over and over again. But a couple of these clips were like, oh, Hogan's the real enemy here. Exactly. Let's, Let's get, get back your, on the same yeah. page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's the first part of what's going to become a really huge storyline going forward throughout the summer and the fall. Yeah, well, we, we used to compliment the fact that they took their time with Piper Orndorff. And if you're only watching the Saturday night's main events, it happens way too fast. You're just like, you come back in Piper's face and you're like, what? Yeah, so yeah, I you guess miss means all the stuff. There was, there was a, yeah, that's why you're getting so much content between the actual Saturday night's main events. That's, you know, and but we'll get there. Yeah, we will. We promise. <laughs> so, ho- so you know, Piper is not full face yet by any means. Right. You know, you know, when he shows up, it's not like they go crazy for him right away. Like crowd doesn't yeah. quite know how to react. But he's he's well, he gets a pretty big cheer when he comes out because he just hasn't been around for a while. But like, but you also oh, still yeah, okay. you also still assume that he's not a good guy. You know, right? Like you uh, think okay. He's, I, yeah. I must have not noticed it there too much. Yeah. I think it's more because he, like, I think if they'd brought him out as an interview guest, he probably would have been booed. But because he interrupts, that right. kind of puts and him at, a, at, yeah. you know, at opposition right. to... Well, just by the end of today's episode, there'll be no doubt that Piper's <laughs> getting crazy cheers. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so it's August 23rd, and for those lucky people in Philadelphia who had access to Prism TV or maybe were even at the Spectrum, 
got another big card. And uh, so some pretty good stuff on here. So one of those things is a match between Paul Orndorff and the Junkyard Dog. But before Orndorff's going to get in that ring, he's got to go see our man Cal. And poor Cal. He's been betrayed by his <laughs> beloved Paul Orndorff, who betrayed Hulk Hogan. So Cal's like, why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. And um, again, go check out the Paul Orndorff uh, interview with Cal before the Billy Jack Hain match to see how it was that we fell in love with Cal Redman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Paul Orndorff is capable of very entertaining promos. Uh, this one isn't particularly the funniest, but just to tell you about it, it's ha he's wrestling JYD tonight, but this promo's half Hogan and it's half JYD yeah. for sure because that's the bigger angle, his quest for the title. And as usual, JYD's the gatekeeper. He's just in the way. That's right. Just an obstacle. Let me poke my nose. JYD is just an obstacle by way to get that. Okay, that's not working. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. But it does sound like he's got like some nasal congestion. You know, yeah. quite right. That's what just a stepping stone. I've had outright belly laughs from Paul Orndorff where he's complaining like, you know, I'm trying to fly around the world, but the, but the <laughs> captain of the plane comes by. Mr. Wonderful, is okay if, if the plane takes off now? Can you, you know, oh, come on now. You know, just, just to fly the plane. I'm trying to get, you know, so he can be really funny. Yeah. But today, his zingers, ooh, these are zingers because now in 2023, we realize just how close these accusations. Yeah. <laughs> Hogan don't care about you. He don't care about you. Eight to fivers. He only cares about Hogan. And he like, doesn't care about those little kids running around. <laughs> and <laughs> yikes, turns out, you know, Hogan did care about Hogan. And, you know, uh, sadly, he doesn't come across as the most generous performer in the business. And so all of these barbs are uh, striking a very what turns out to be a truthful time will tell to be truthful <laughs> He's, truth hurts hogan that's right yikes <laughs> and he goes on to boast he says you know i made hulk hogan what he is today and i made the wwf he, he wouldn't be champion if it wasn't for me well, that's <laughs> <Just> right ridiculous. <laughs> and that's pretty good yeah that is good i made the wwf what it is today i made philadelphia <laughs> what it is today He's pretty actually he's doing so actually I guess I take yeah. it back. He was he was doing pretty <laughs> good. Pretty good laughs. Yeah. Um the only thing I wish that we had more was the adoring Cal. Cause yeah, yeah. He was the only only get he's only able to get one compliment in there, but he does. Yeah. And then Paul is wise to it. He said, You know what? You're a smug guy. That's right. <laughs> and he said, What you said, <laughs> that's true. And because he <laughs> says, Well, everybody knows you're a great scientific wrestler. So yeah. we do get a little bit of that love fest. Yeah. And uh we go to um the ring. Yep. We do not have a JYD promo. Yeah, it seems more often than not that it's a one-sided, like it's one half of the match gets a promo when they do these these backstage interviews, or at least that's what's on these files. Right. So JYD comes to the ring to his song, Grab Them Cakes, and Paul Orndorff, it's going to be a long time before the action starts. There's a lot of lead up <laughs> to the actual lockup. Um, he comes to the ring to real American in his blue and silver robe. And so Hulk Hogan's music is playing super loud. There are signs in the audience for Orndorff and against Orndorff. And you get a good shot. Yeah. One sign says, Mr. Wonderful's number one again, right beside and a sign that says, Paul is your number two. And then you got the little poop emoji before, <laughs> poop emoji. before there were emojis. <laughs> Six emoji. What the hell? This person's like traveling through time. <laughs> they, they drew the little, they exactly, you all know it now in 2023, what it looks like, except for no smiley face. You Zoom know. in there. They've got a, like an iPhone. <laughs> right. Time traveler. Exactly. Conspiracy. This proves, this proves time travel. 
Uh, later on in the match, you'll see somebody's got a sign that simply says Paula, and another one uh, has got a sign that says the old wonderful rules again. <laughs> so it turns out that JYD is from the same hometown as Ric Flair. Oh, neat, yeah. Yeah, or at least this time he's billed as from Charlotte, North Carolina. Right. Mm-hmm. Dog is not to look, he doesn't look too heavy and out of shape. Like, he's not going to look great in WCW, Yeah, yeah. you know, in, in a few years. But he also looks way better in his lean. He's not going to look great in 87. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Just around the corner. But he's not, he's still, you know, the crowd is still crazy oh, for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's still way like, over. Yeah, he's like the number two guy. Bobby... Doesn't need any ring announcers. <laughs> he takes over the mic and introduces himself from Beverly Hills. But then he introduces the next champion of the world. That's right. Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff. And before he gets his robe off, Orndorff is looking for a handshake. <laughs> yeah. From JYD. Yeah. And I think JYD first comes in for a punch, but then Bobby gets in there to protect Paul Orndorff. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 buddy. Orndorff's bodyguard. That's right. Bobby hey, hey, don't try that stuff. He wanted a handshake. You want to punch him with your dad? You got to go through me. <laughs> they do take off their ring gear, or at least, I mean, I think uh, JYD already has his chains around the post. But finally, Orndorff takes off his robe and, and is posing for the crowd. And he's really delaying the match start, which is great. And it's good heel work, as he should do. Yep. Posing for everybody. Whip up that crowd. That's right. Uh, and then he, you know, when either the bell rings, but he's, they're ready to wrestle. And he wants, he wants a handshake. He's still looking for it. And surprisingly, they uh, they do shake hands, uh-huh. but it ends up in a weird. Maybe JYD's the problem. Like it it doesn't look like a proper you know mega power handshake. It ends up with like just the tips of their fingers. Oh yeah, uh, like one guy grabs the other guy's fingers. <laughs> yeah, well I was expecting them to pull out their little thumb wrestlers because it looked like they were both you know <laughs> now they could pop on their little you know the right. the, the thumb wrestler versions of themselves and have that exactly. you know. So I don't know JYD and it just sometimes <laughs> the handshakes, the high fives, they just. They just look awkward. Yeah, they missed that for the commercials, man. They really should have went with that. They should have had the actual wrestlers have their actual thumb wrestlers, you know, in the right. commercial. That would have been hilarious. The match finally begins, and uh, we're not going below for. I know we're pretty thorough to this point, but we, as far as in the ring, we won't, you know, dissect it entirely, except to say that you see a lot of each wrestler's standard moves. Orndorff likes to use the point of his elbow and uh-huh. sort of show you that he's going to do that. You know, he yeah. tucks it in close before he strikes, and you get a lot of JYD. You know, when one guy's on the canvas, he'll usually be in that uh, hands and knees so that JYD can get down and do his little scuttle headbutt, knock the guy out of the ring. So we see all of these. We see a good <laughs> back and forth match between both guys. Uh, they, uh, it, there's a, a lot of Orndorff out of the ring getting, you know, comfort from Heenan. That's and right. He, so he's making JYD look good as he should, because he's you know like we said, this is the number two face in the company. JYD when he takes a bump, he does this like leg twitchy, like yeah, funky yeah, yeah. chicken thing. Like yeah, I, I called him like weekend at Bernie's last uh, show or whatever. Yeah, like, he, he goes stiff as a board, and then yeah. he like falls down. Yeah, he, and he has a, a seizure thing, so he's got his own way of looking injured that like <laughs> can sometimes really fool you for a second. Yeah, naturally, we're gonna have an attempt at a pile driver. Oh, before that happens, Paul Wonderf at one point grabs something from the floor, a foreign object that's like actually just a piece <laughs> of trash, and takes it into the ring and starts raking it across JYD's face. But the commentator takes the edge off the situation, if you will, by saying, oh, the sharp edges of that paper cup there rubbed into <laughs> So I guess that's why they didn't make such a big deal. If they were paper wax cups, I suppose people weren't really in great danger. You know, that's what they were using to play with. <laughs> 
So yes, Paul Orndorff sets up JYD for a pile driver after dishing out a lot of punishment, but he doesn't manage to do it, and it ends up being essentially a backdrop. Of course, yeah. Yes, of course. And JYD has his own version of escalating his invulnerability, or dogging up, as it goes. <laughs> yes. He doesn't do the, the hoof face or the puffy cheeks or the Quaker oats. He gets kind of a really determined look on his face, and then he kind of like hunches up his shoulders, you know, and like <laughs> looks at the guy with the stare down. And I couldn't help thinking about our dream WrestleMania 2 match. That's right. As JYD was, like, starting to get tough. I was like, oh, yeah. I just, just wish we could have seen that, you know, JYD turn on Hogan so he could have had a true main event, you know, yeah. spotlight for at least one match where he was in the, the top yeah, dog right. position. Ah, <laughs> uh, what could have been? I'm a top dog. I'm the top dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, but alas, he's not because he gets to land his finisher, the big bump. Not a running big bump, but he does land Still a big, big thump. bump. Yeah, Paul Orndorff kicks out of it. So we see yes. superhero Paul Orndorff can kick out of the thump. <laughs> That's right. As it should be because, you know, Paul Orndorff is challenging for the belt and JYD is the number two guy. So all's well in booking land. Orndorff grabs JYD's tights and kind of drops to the mat while pulling him towards him, which means JYD goes over Orndorff and into the ref for what ultimately ends the match. Yeah. We have a ref bump. Now, the ref bump leads to several successful covers from JYD where he would have beat Orndorff if the ref was conscious <laughs> enough to count the three. But then again, as we all know, when those baby faces hear that ba-boom, ba-boom, then they know <laughs> that they must resist. But if nobody's, you know, then they can tell the difference between the opponent who's yeah. slapping the mat, one, a, two, a, three. A self-count versus a ref count. Yeah, they know. Orndorff is uh, incapacitated for... Many covers, I think, you know, because JYD gets up and goes and gets the ref and tries to drag him back and it doesn't work. Pulls a small package, one, two, three, and he goes back to the ref and poor Joey Morello's getting his hair pulled. I think Gorilla's probably <laughs> thinking, hey, Get you know, that's right. I'm bald. Don't, you know, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't need any help. He's probably got the bad genes, you know, leave my poor kid's hairdo alone. Heenan is still lurking about. And so at one point, while Morella is incapacitated, Heenan gives Orndorff the, a foreign object, you can't tell what it is. It could be a little stick. It could be a roll of dimes, except for that it, you know, it never explodes into the shiny Something coins. wrapped in white tape. <laughs> yeah. Sort of dark. Yeah, I mean, more like envelope colored. Maybe, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So very, very, you know, light. But anyway, because JYD keeps going back to the ref to see if he's okay and to help to get him, you know, to count pinfall against Orndorf. Orndorf clobbers JYD with a foreign object, and now the ref's okay <laughs> and able to come over, crawl over and count the one, two, three. Orndorf defeats JYD, not clean, cheating with that foreign object. <laughs> and uh, so thus continues his quest for the, the big gold belt. After the ring, after the match, um, we don't really get to see what happens because it cuts away. Yeah, they go to commercial and stuff in Philly, so uh, sometimes you miss some stuff. I mentioned before that they had announced three tag team main events, like sort of co-main events. So we're going to fly through them. And what we have first is the debut of the machines here in Philadelphia. And you're not sure which of the two of the three are going to be, you know, wrestling the tag team. There's sort of this is the shtick going on and it's always kind of like well which which machines is it going to be but what we do get is another cal rudman interview with the giant john stud so now i've said i w i'm waiting and wishing and hoping and maybe it'll happen waiting to see cal rudman interview andre the giant 
well, this is the next best thing because it's Big John Stud. So little tiny Cal Rudman's holding his, his, his microphone for John in a loving way. <laughs> he really is liking, liking Stud. So there's no Bundy. It's just, of course, just Stud. It's funny. Stud's not the best promo. He's not the worst, but he's not the best. <laughs> he makes reference that, like, the big machine is Andrea. So that's his, his slag at Andrea. It's called Andrea. But it's funny because he's not saying the giant machine. He's saying the big machine. So he's basically going, like, Blackjack Mulligan is Andrea. <laughs> Right. <laughs> He's getting that a little confused. Well, That's I, all right. I, the two of them, I found that Bundy is much better actor than Stud. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Stud does the kind of standing there looking confused well. <laughs> and not much else. That's right. <laughs> so he does talk about how they're going to unmask these machines. And they're going to be suspended forever. And he says, we've done it before. And I'm going to hold down his legs. And Bundy's going to splash him. And we're going to rip those masks off. And Jack Tunney's going to be forced to suspend Andre and get rid of these guys forever. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> he says, Stud asked Cal so far who the real giant of professional wrestling is. And Cal's like, Cal says, so far you have proven you are. <laughs> He's like, totally yeah, like. <laughs> always, whoever's there. You are the man. <laughs> and then he says, anything else you want to know to Cal? And <laughs> it's like, you will definitely get these masks off. <laughs> He's yeah. like, just 100% behind him. <laughs> and there's a little slight edit, and then we get tough face Cal. <laughs> He says, it will be historical night in professional wrestling. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And we go to the ring, and we can see all three machines are in the ring, and there's a bit of confusion about who it's going to be. But once they make some moves, we realize that it's the giant machine is going to be the third man on the outside playing the Bobby Heenan role. And it's Stud and Bundy. So I'm going to skip forward to the uh, end of the match because we have so much other stuff to cover that we just you know don't have time to cover all these matches. The one thing is that they have the machines that we realize now is that they have they got B action. <laughs> they, they like to use their masks and their outfits to switcheroo. So at some point during the late in the match, the big machine and the giant machine switch places. So now, you know, Andre's in there slapping people around and hitting them. And then shortly after that, from the outside, the super machine and the big machine switch. <laughs> And there's a really funny comedy moment where, like, Stud and Bundy are stacked up in the corner. And Andre's in the corner giving them, like, shoulder tackles, squishing both of them. And the big machine's behind Andre, <laughs> like, you know, giving the, the big push. So it's like this double shoulder tackles. Love it. Super shoulder tackle. And things break down pretty quickly. And you end up with all three machines in the ring brawling with Stud and Bundy. Yet somehow, despite the man advantage, Super and Big Machine get tossed out of the ring. And they isolate Andre. And in comes Heenan. <laughs> so they got Andre up against the ropes, and they're holding his arms. And Heenan's going for the mask. And right around that time, you see the machines are coming back in, and Andre breaks loose and starts is clobbering everybody. And so Heenan takes a few good bumps and eventually takes a big spill over the top rope. And it's, it's pretty funny stuff. But it was just like the, the comedy idea that like the giant machine and the super machine would switch with each other, and the ref wouldn't know. Like, you know, that's the same person. <laughs> awesome. I love it. 200-pound difference. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like you can't tell. Like at least, at least Mulligan's like you know, like part of the way up to Andre, but right. like you know, Billy, he's nowhere close. Yeah. So that's pretty funny stuff. So another tag team match that was announced at this for this card was the American Express. That's that U.S. Express two with the Mike Rotundo and Dan Spivey against the Dream Team. Again, good long match. So what you see at the end is Mike Rotundo doing his patented airplane spin on Brutus Beefcake. And Greg Valentine does an awesome job. He comes in to break it up and takes the feet, Beefcake's feet to the head, you know? like He's spinning right. around, and he gets clobbered. Right. And the bell rings, so it's a time limit draw, this mm. this big matchup between... and But basically keeping 
keeping us express strong but also like keeping the dream team on their path to their number one contender status and their rematches against the bulldogs so the main event of this card is a rematch from our last science main event nightmare so it's the british bulldogs defending against sheik and volkov but this time dynamite's not injured so we have some hope but before we get there we're gonna have to check in with cal because he's with the sheik so it is the iron sheik and he's got a very colorful sort of do-rag headband <laughs> on and a, a, a T-shirt that I didn't really take. Catch what it was on. Yeah. yeah, but it's not his traditional garb. <laughs> not at all. No, not even close. He's in on the game. He gets it that uh, it's best if you uh, accept the positive vibes from Cal. <laughs> but uh, the thing is that she, he was also like this with Mean Gene, you know. That's right, and, yes. And uh, often uh, the Iron Sheik, didn't bully his interviewers. You know, he would call them <laughs> you, intelligent American like a mean gene or killer cow. Yeah. That was pretty bad. But anyway, so talking about English bulldog, British, whatever <laughs> your name, bulldog. And I respect you. <laughs> yeah. He gets into that later. Yeah, but yeah. at first he's talking about, uh, you know, all the belts are his. That's you know, right. he said yeah, yeah. That, you know, belt that, is still his. That's right. The, that, and, uh, and, you know, Cal's like, you're right. They <laughs> you have my belt. They took double cross me, took belt. Hogan, people intelligent, must have filled up for no spectrum. No, it's my belt, Hogan's belt, and the same bulldog, whatever. Zar belt, Nikolai Volkov, my belt too. All the belts. And no uh, no disagreement from Killer Cal. He, in matter, as a matter of fact, the Iron Sheik, you are a man full of determination. That's right. King Cal, bring spectrum. <laughs> and he does mention oddly that he respects as you said the uh whatever bulldog yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> not easy to come to the wwf i come from most respected ancient culture iran yeah. persian oldest, culture. oldest country in the world right and uh so he pays his respects to the bulldogs and uh, he says that uh, they're going to get their belt. And like, like Muhammad Ali, we're going to get the belt of three-time champions <laughs> tonight. Cameraman Zoom. By this time, he's taken off his do-rag and his T-shirt. And now he's flexing and posing. And the cameraman zooms in. We said, look at the abs. Show the abs. <laughs> he zooms in on uh, Shiki's four-pack. <laughs> the, the first four are really well-defined. The other yeah, two, yeah. you can't quite see as well. <laughs> then, it, But then he goes out in traditional uh, form, which is... Nikolai Volkov, number one. Iron Sheik, number one. Bulldog. <laughs> and then Cal, uh, I can't quite remember what he says. but he said, Right before cameraman Zoom, Cal said something really funny. Like just about like, it's, it's going to happen tonight or something. But uh, it was sort of in cheerleading Sheik. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yes, indeed. How about the match? Okay. Well, revenge. we assumed. I'm that talking revenge. We revenge. We assumed that the Saturday's main event when the injury to Dynamite Kid that it was all an anomaly, that if we watched another match, that we wouldn't see the Bulldogs getting their ass kicked. I was wrong. Oh, my <laughs> this, God. This entire match is the Bulldogs getting their asses kicked the entire time. I'm going to skip right over it because I found a better match between these two teams a little bit down the road, which has got some better booking in it and some more, at least more unique spots. Uh, still not what I wanted, but, you know, better than this. This is just like... The, with all the garbage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so Di- Dynamite, like, starts the match does three, four, five things, and then just gets his ass kicked for like six or seven minutes, tags in Davy Boy, does two or three things, you know, bends over back body drop, gets kicked once. Now he's out for, you know, and gets his ass kicked for four or five minutes. And the Bulldogs basically save their titles because Volkov is getting 
escorted out of the ring while the Sheik is pinning a destroyed Davy Boy, and Dynamite comes off the top rope with a headbutt, rolls Davy Boy out, pins the Sheik. But I mean, like it's, and then and then Sheik and Volkov beat the Bulldogs up after after the pin. Yeah. And kick them and, and stomp on them and stuff they like must, that. You know, Vince must be punishing them. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. This is my other theory. I don't know how many bumps she can take. You know, like maybe it's one of these things where like they can't do a dream team match. They can't come out and kick their ass because maybe they just physically can't take it. Hmm. So maybe this is another workaround. Maybe it's a combination of all these factors. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of as to why they would book the Bulldogs to be so weak. Like in this match, it's just it's just pathetic. Yeah, well, it's not done either. There's a uh, tag team battle royal in the future. This sorry trend continues. Yeah, so we're gonna skip over this main event. We don't we don't want to watch this main event because yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> I want to watch the Bulldogs matches. I want to watch, not this garbage. Okay, so that is going to bring us to. August 23rd on one of the syndicated shows. I apologize. I didn't write down which one it was. It repeats a couple of days later on primetime. But we have the real return of Roddy Piper. Holy cow. Watching this match, I repeatedly stopped and said, okay, when did he get betrayed in the double cross? Why is everyone <laughs> going so bananas for him? But they, there was, I mean, that's traditionally how it's done. I mean, no one's going to cheer Ray the Crippler Stevens when he's playing, you know, weak fourth wheel to Bobby Heenan and crew yeah. until, until he starts throwing punches. And then they're like, yay, we yeah, love until, you, Ray. Until he, bra- until he breaks the trophy and beats up Bobby Heenan a little bit. Exactly. Then, then he's, they like him. And yeah, exactly. And then you get some some violence going, and then that's how you get a face turn. Like you know, uh, I guess that wasn't the greatest example, uh, particularly. But anyway, point being that it's surprising that that he's this popular with this crowd without maybe them being fed a reason to be his fans. They're chanting his name. They are so over for him. And this Piper does remind me of well, it's it's still the same Piper. He hasn't yes, grown yeah, his hair long. Definitely, this this is still. Yeah, he, he physically looks a little bit different after this hiatus. He doesn't look like he's maybe been working out too hard while he was on break. He looks a little soft. Yeah. But uh, but the intensity, the the look on his face, all that stuff, yeah. You know, it's funny. I think the biggest I ever saw of Piper is like a little clip of looks like, I think that's him at 15 when he climbs into the ring with some bagpipes and he looks <laughs> like a big quarterback linebacker. Okay. And yeah, like, it can't quite, be, I though. Was, I must, no, no, no. I I'm thought sure he was quite you, scrawny when he was young, but uh, ah. 80, 89 Piper, he's really big. And, okay. Uh, well, 90, this could have been him. Piper's at, pretty big. This could have been him at 17, because at 17, you could be, you know, especially yeah. if you're already working out and taking steroids, you yeah. could be a monster if, if that was, you know, all available to you. Yeah. And I think he started wrestling at like 15 or something, like pro wrestling. Right. And like, yeah, because yeah, he talked about coming out as just a scrawny kid, okay. and he did the bagpipes and the, the kilt, because he, okay. he was already getting heat anyway. So he I was wonder just what like, this picture that I saw, he looked really young, but even but beefier than I've ever maybe seen a, him. Maybe a few years after that or something. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Like he's still, I mean... When you get to a certain age, 20 starts looking like 12, right? So, <laughs> you know, sure. Like, you know, I mean, as far as just looking young-faced, baby-faced, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. Like now we look back, and, and, and we're used to, like, that craggy face of his <laughs> that, you know, yeah. in his 40s. And so him looking, yeah, looking at him at 20 years old, you'd be like, oh, here's junior high, Roddy Piper. That's right. This is staggering, the response to, for Piper considering that he has not been betrayed or backstabbed or sneak attacked by anybody. He's just back to wrestle. They are fucking mental for him. So he's wrestling a jobber, but a fun jobber. That's our bounty collector, AJ Petruzzi. (laughs) That's right. It's a fairly long match, actually. Well, 
you know, considering that it's a semi-jobber. Exactly. And what distinguishes this match, besides this incredible heat that Piper has got from the crowd, they're just so behind him. And it's I, when I say heat, that's maybe a wrong term because there's no heat between him. Support. Yeah, support. Heat usually means like a rivalry, you know, where people are, uh, you know, Piper had heat with Orndorff. Anyway, so... Pertuzzi's just there. And I for a second there I thought we were back in the land of crossover. I was like, Pertuzzi, Pertuzzi? Like, you know, who's who's he's you know he's wrestling a NHLer? Like, you know? right. But no, it's our bounty collector. Anyway, the match starts with uh, a slap to the face. This Pertruzzi guy's got some some jazz. He's got some Some P and V. Yeah. Slaps Piper in the face. And Piper, the most belligerent figure in professional wrestling, just looks at him, lets him slap him again. And then he kind of does a little, like, thinks about it. He puts his hand, tucks one hand behind his back into his trunk, and he goes, go ahead, slap me one more time. And so Petruzzi goes for it, but Piper ducks and then proceeds to wrestle the whole fucking match with one hand right. in his trunks with, with only one minor exception. It's funny. It's described and written up as that he has his arm tied behind his back. There's, there's no rope. There's no yeah. tape. He's not tied up. He's just he's just electing to trap one of his own arms behind himself by holding his trunks. Uh, he commits to the bit, so I'll give him credit. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I was I'll, I, quite so. It says tied up, but no, it's just him saying I can only I only need one arm to beat you. Yeah, exactly. So it takes him about five minutes, and you know, but the crowd is they are I, it's crazy. It's like they're cheering yeah. for him as loud as they cheer for Hogan. Yep. And they're like chanting his name, Piper, Piper. It's just, it's, it's insane. Of course, he beats Petruzzi. What was the finish? Now, how did he? Get- he, he sort of started to look like he was doing a Moroccan whip. Yeah, that's what I'm talking <laughs> but he about. He did cheat. That was the one time he took his hand out of his trunks to finish right. the Irish whip. And then he pretty much just gives him like a double, like baseball, like a double fist, almost baseball swing style punch to the face. Yeah. And the guy goes down, and then he just puts his foot on his face and right. just pins Standing him. Standing. Puts his hand back in his trunks. The to old like show humiliation his- pin. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's right. Th- what is interesting and really comes across well, like this is great. They continue on with the show and they say, we're going to take you now to the flower shop. And then apparently they empty the heel locker room because Adrian Adonis is going to interview <laughs> the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov with both their managers, uh, classy, classy Freddie Blassie yeah. and Slick and and Hercules Hernandez is along That's for the right. ride because he's in, he's in the background. It reminds me uh, that time that Orton and, and uh, Orndorff had like the Heart Foundation and the Dream Team, right. <laughs> and it was like it you know just like come it. mess with us, you know yeah. there's, there's seven of us. <laughs> and Piper, instead of going to the dressing room, he interrupts the flower shop again. Yeah, but this is much different because now he's just come out of the ring where the, you know he's jacked up on the adrenaline of the crowd and you know his victory, and he comes out and he. Uh, Starts pulling vintage classic yeah, Piper, and, and he walks in from behind the camera, so it's like yeah. he's 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 doing he's breaking the rule of TV yeah. or whatever or theater where he's got his back to the camera. He's yeah, literally just you know, and, and I think it fe- I feel like we've missed a bit because he does say, "You said I could come on whenever I want," right? And I do, that wasn't part of that other segment, so it right. almost feels like we've missed one bit of information here somewhere. Right. Maybe there was an in- maybe maybe Adrian did a promo and said that or something. Who knows, right? Yeah, so. interviewing somebody else and said, Oh, last week, you know, I just want to say, Mr. Piper, anytime you want to come yeah, on, you yeah. know. Just let me know. Anyway, yeah, so he interrupts this interview with like the mega heel faction, like all these guys and um it, it looks great. Piper is still kind of trembling with the you know, intensity 
um, even though like we don't add what we don't know, just dead being back, you know. Yeah. And, and also, and wait, also, no, we do know point, the belligerence. Sorry, a good thing to point out, and the people who just make fun of him is he didn't. He was like Hogan pretty much. He didn't wrestle. Job, you know, very rare. We've seen a couple of times now, but like it was very rare for Piper to go in the ring on syndicated TV and wrestle a jobber. That was right. That was super rare. I should say we know why he's angry because Adrian Adonis has got his spot. That's why he's mad, and that's why he's interrupting, and he gets in the way, and he says, yeah, you said it could come on anytime, and then he grabs a mic and starts, oh, yeah, of course, I forgot. You know, AC's there with his pink hat, <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Hart is there, so, yeah. I mean, like, there's all these people, so there's a megaphone and probably the diffuser, you know, that's right. weapons, so Piper's w- wading into, like, you know, like, the most dangerous minefield possible. He starts ripping on the bad guys. Who does he make fun of first? Well, Slick. Oh, yeah. Actually, I didn't like this. Yeah, let's skip that part. (laughs) Yeah. He makes fun of Slick, and that's it. And then he takes off. (laughs) But Slick's great, because Slick's like, who's that? (laughs) If he doesn't know who he is. Yeah, 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 that's funny. (laughs) But I like the way Adrian at first tries to be sort of accommodating. He's like, oh, well, I I have to, uh, his time is for these gentlemen, and uh, I promise I will, you know, I will schedule you. And that's when Piper switches it to, you call these people? (laughs) I thought he was going to go down the line. Insult every bad guy and yeah, get his yeah, yeah, and yeah. get his ass kicked. <laughs> exactly. But no, they're, it's still they're they're drawing it out. It's great. Exactly. Yeah. I just couldn't believe the reaction of the crowd going back yeah. five minutes to Piper. Well, we'll Pi, see when we when insane. we get to the Saturday's main event. You know, we'll we'll see th- what this looks like. This this new Piper. This you know, and yeah. in his I- interaction with the crowd. With the exception of. Vince McMahon, when he's doing the Johnny Carson thing, those people were very pro Piper. That's right, for a different reason, it seemed. <laughs> yeah, and when he was training for his boxing match, the, the they were like the people at his training facility were like, "Yeah, we like Piper." <laughs> so some quick notes here. Uh, we'll hit a few of them rapid fire. So August twenty seventh, the first wrestling challenge as the TV show taping happens. And August 29th, and Jeff and I have talked about this briefly. I can't even remember what show we talked about this on, but the it's a house show event in St. Louis. The Sam Muchnick tournament takes place, and it's this uh, tournament that King Harley Race wins. Muchnick? Muchnick, yeah. He's the promoter, like longtime famous promoter that basically McMahon, when McMahon expanded right. and kind of took over the St. Louis area. Kind of. And he uh, beats Pedro Morales in the final? No, that was, uh, that was the King of the Ring. This is Ricky Steamboat in the final against Harley Race. Oh, yeah! Boy, they're putting him over. Yes, they were, especially in a, and again, St. Louis is like Harley Race's back door, oh, back, yeah. <laughs> backyard. That's right. <laughs> uh, another quick note: September sixth, Jesse Ventura returns from his movie hiatus, so we start getting Jesse back at that point, which is great. And then, as Jeff alluded to earlier, September seventh is the first Snake Pit. He has his first ever Snake Pit uh, episode, and his guests are the Wizard and Kimchi. So we start to see the first inklings of Kamala. So that's uh, when the important because Kamala was going to make an appearance on right. Saturday night's main event. I'm sure Kim Chi spoke at length about various <laughs> giving his opinion <laughs> on various subjects. So we're going to fast forward to September 13th, a Superstars of Wrestling episode. So what we have is from the Wild Samoans, we have Sika's return. So 
the same managers for Kamala are also managing Sika. So the wild Samoan Sika is also under the charge of these men. So what's really important about this is, A, it's his return, but and it's a jobber match. It doesn't matter. He's beating the crap out of this guy. But Vince McMahon spends the entire match attacking Danny Davis. So Danny Davis, I can't see anything that Danny Davis does in this match that is anything different than any ref would do. But McMahon is all over Danny Davis for not being a good ref and for not following the rules. And it alludes to the previous week, and I'm not even sure which match he's talking about. So, like, the first seeds of Danny Davis, you know, becoming this big character, this, you know, huge part of wrestling outside of being a referee, this is this is it. This is the, the you know, the seeds have been planted. I say Danny Davis was extremely attentive, looking after poor Tito after that terrible <laughs> attack by Randy Savage. You haven't. When do you see an official with you know such yeah. uh, tendencies to, to to tend to the injured, wounded wrestler? The fall of '86 sees the debut of another really important character to wrestling, and we've talked a bit about this before. And we'll hear what his words have to say, but we get the first sounds of the honky tonk man. We love him. All right, before we begin the Hillbilly Tag Team matchup earlier on this week, we had an occasion to chat with the most unique talent in the WWF, the Honky Tonk Man. You know, I hear him talking, the Honky Tonk Man can hear him all talk. He hears people like Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. He hears him saying, hey, who is this Honky Tonk Man? Who is this man that's strutting around here with all this glitter on? Who is the guy that says he can rock and roll all night long? What can he do in the ring? What can he do when he gets in the ring against a real wrestler like Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff? Well, let me tell you, Mr. Wonderful, the Honky Tonk Man can do a tap dance on your head, and he can make you like it, baby. I can drag you from pillar to post, and then I'll take you do doing a couple times, son. So it's not the first time we've mentioned the machines, but it's the first time that I'm going to go over the machines <laughs> because I was interested, you know, uh, and who else machined for the machines? <laughs> and uh, the um, so as we know, Andre didn't show up for a match against the Heenan family and it led to his suspension, you know, and, and Bobby Heenan, you know, that was his angle, like, I'm going to get him suspended and he succeeds, right. right. Yeah. So then, of course, this mysterious Japanese wrestler calling himself the giant machine shows up. It's classic, <laughs> you know, one wrestler's not allowed to be here so he puts on a mask and he comes back. It's obviously him. So that's those are the broad strokes. Now they did a series, but but here's what I, I didn't quite know. At, at July seventh, <laughs> in the ring, Bobby Heenan gets into the ring and introduces two new Korean that's right, wrestlers, yeah. and Bundy and Stud come out with paper bags on their heads <laughs> like the unknown comic. That was like, part of that prime time when yeah, Monsoon did, and Ian Did you already make that joke? Forgive no, me. No, no, not at all. Okay, I didn't I bring would, it up. I, I heard them talking about it. I just didn't add it as one of my things. Yeah. I'd be a very bad listener. If no. I was just like, you remember, and you're like, I did that last, yesterday. Oh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> so that's pretty fun. Uh, there was another one. Did you, I don't think you said this. On August 5th, he had a camera, and he was taking pictures of giant machines <laughs> so that he could get evidence, like a private eye. He came down to the ringside taking <laughs> photographs of giant machine to prove that... Yeah. Uh, that Andre was cheating and going to get him suspended again. Okay, so on September 10th, it looks like Lou Albano, uh, it could be maybe an injury or something that led to the submachines. <laughs> you can <That's> forget right. <laughs> the submachine subs. On September 9th, we had Animal Machine That's with right. a little boogaloo. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think we covered that either. No, okay, no. good. And so ostensibly, maybe Captain Lou was hurt. 
because then we move on. To, we did talk about this. I don't. Was it on air? Uh, where we talked about, okay, let me get, try to get it all in order. Crusher Machine, you told me about. <laughs> that's right. And that's great fun. Did we did we talk about it on air? Not on air, no. Okay, no. well, he won the match with a bolo punch on Big John Studd. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he clobbered Big John Studd and got him for the pin, <laughs> Crusher Machine, on October 5th. And, of course, Crusher's hometown, which would be Milwaukee. Yeah. But so is you Milwa- said October 5th? October 5th. Oh, okay. Well, it went that late. Yeah. Now, is Milwaukee the city or the state? Wisconsin's the state. Okay. All right. The dollies, the beer kegs, the yeah. the polka, That's the right. sausage. The crush is great. <laughs> I wish that there had been a little coverage of anything there, even yeah. just a promo. So, oopsie, sorry. Okay, we did. We talked. I, Hogan Machine is also part of that. That's, That's right. We, at least we said that, right? Did I don't even know. It doesn't matter what doesn't we really said. Matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one's really well known. I think. Like, yeah, more, most people know about the Hogan Machine. September sixteenth. Okay, I just wanted to, uh, yeah, go over those angles. And also, early in the angle, there was speculation it might be Giant Baba, as that was what the commentators... Yeah, yeah, even though their bodies are nothing alike, as we saw at the Crockett Cup. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Mr. Spaghetti arms and shoulders. you're not going to confuse those arms for Andre's arms. That's right. I still wouldn't want to get smacked by those big spaghetti arms. No, I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) But that was part of the uh, commentary in the early going. Now, bringing it all to... Hyper Machine. Yep. Ken Resnick uh, is interviewing Bobby Heenan, and he says, we all saw what happened last Saturday night, except for I didn't. I don't know what they're talking <laughs> exactly. about. So there's this mysterious incident that where we uh, figure that Piper got involved in the Heenan family's business, and now it's led to a match, a six-man ta- match between, and again, you made this point, I think, pretty well. If it's the Heenan family, why aren't you putting Harley Race or Paul Orndorff <laughs> or in Or anybody that? else. Can, anybody else. Himself? Yeah. I mean, like... And, uh, but it does give you a second to say, like, look at this stable. Bundy, Stud, Orndorf, and Harley Race. Like, this yeah. is amazing, really. Yeah, yeah. and, it, you know, and he'll have more, more wrestlers soon, you know. Like. Right, but I mean, but the, 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 I'm saying even when you just keep it to these four. Yeah, the tight. Like, how yeah. do you... Yeah, how do you improve the overall quality unless you add Ric Flair and then, then the level go- <laughs> there's only a couple guys that you can raise the average that's right almost anybody's gonna like lower that average <laughs> now I'm saying that out of respect to race's legacy not more than where he's at yeah absolutely 100% so you know I hope that's understood and he was booked fairly strong for this very initial push into the WWF when he first comes out you know he's winning all his matches and winning these tournaments as we talk about and they, well hell it's still the, the 80s way. yeah yeah, well, and, of course, yeah. And Harley Race won his uh, his biggest, you know, title reigns were uh, well early eighties and seventies, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he's still uh, the man, but not in the same way that Ric Flair maintained his yeah. uh, caliber of performance and consistency. Anyway, that is, the Heenan family is incredibly powerful, and why Heenan would put himself in the ring <laughs> when he has all these other guys. <laughs> I think it's the comedy of it, really. Uh, you yeah. know, at the well, end of the well, day, I'm, I ask rhetorically. You of know, course. we know exactly why because he's a capable wrestler, and he's. <laughs> we all want to see him get beat up. So it's, <laughs> everyone loves to see him get beat up. It's exactly what we want. So it's the right booking, but it also makes you ask. You know, it's like ridiculous on its face. <laughs> on its face. All right, so let's build this Piper Machine match. <laughs> Ken Resnick, you know, says uh, Piper son, and Bobby's like, Rowdy, Rowdy, Piper. <laughs> what I don't understand is why Piper has to pretend to be a Japanese wrestler and not himself. Like, he's not suspended, I don't think. And then if that's true, then that's was right. Hogan Machine was like, yeah, suspended? Yeah, yeah. And George Animal Steel Machine, was he suspended? So this these parts are murky, but, you know, we don't always stop to ask why. That's right. We just enjoy. Exactly. So really, this is a part of the great slow turn because Heenan is not 
full on you're a dead man, Piper. He's like, you have, you have, this is, you know, you, you're making a big mistake. You know, right. it's almost like don't show up. You know, and you could still be one of us, a bad guy. You know, <laughs> um, but they're doing a great job of, of of making Roddy a hero. So yeah, mostly Heenan is uh, the jury is out on Piper, but the fans love him like crazy. It's just good, patient booking. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And really, that's about it for the promo, except for the odd sign-off, except for, you know, that, uh, well, here's what I would have liked if Roddy Piper. Oh, wait, no, this comes, this will come full circle, actually. Resnick doesn't say, there you have it. He just looks at the camera and does the shrug. (laughs) 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 No, but anyway, so that's that. But uh, we will, we're not quite done with Resnick. That's right. Well, for sure. And as we dip back into our older days of AWA, we'll keep running into him because you know he's, yeah. lot, he's on a lot of that stuff. For me, he was new kid. I guess because yeah. he, yeah, I got. Of course. So therefore, we he is minus the Magnum PI mustache. That's right. Yeah, McMahon didn't like mustaches. He had a he had a rule. He had he had to shave his mustache. <laughs> mean Gene already had a mustache, so no. he wasn't allowed to have a mustache. No way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no mustaches. My God, that's so funny. It was the eighties. Everybody had one. I think they did the same thing to Tony Schiavone. Wow. <laughs> he showed up with a mustache. And they're like, nope, no mustache. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get to a really important piece of business, and that is Piper's Pit Returns. And it's Ken Resnick. No. Yes, there he is. Hello. That's right. He is the special guest. That's what I'm talking about. You know. <laughs> but you open up and you see uh, Piper holding a big sort of colorful feather bundle. And before we introduce the man, Ken Resnick, That's right. Piper is saying, I'm back. I'm the boss is back. And the, oh, the crowd's crazy for him. Like, this really is good stuff. And I don't think I was paying enough attention at the time. I just suddenly saw the next Saturday Night Main event or something. And, like, this era for me was captured by that tag match Bundy Bulldogs stud yeah and uh, I didn't realize the low burn that they were doing this turn and how organic it was and how much the crowd loved Piper and he didn't have to do anything to get cheered he just came back and was cheered yeah it's pretty amazing so this really kind of just captures it. They're, they're cheering him, and he looks so fucking psyched up. And Ken Resnick, and he's, he's shaking Ken Resnick's hand. He's like the best <laughs> broadcaster. The old Piper would have been like, you lost the mustache. You had a broomstick. What happened, soup strainer? You got the McMahon treatment. Come on, sit down. Anyway. <laughs> Ken, unfortunately, doesn't get a word in. That's right. Because <laughs> Roddy's that. looking out for him. It's actually good. Like, if Roddy hadn't pulled him out of the way, the bully Adonis might have smacked him in the back of the head or something yeah. just to show him who's boss. He's like, look out. And so Ken <laughs> doesn't get to He goes to And then Adrian Adonis is confronting Rowdy Roddy Piper with AC Bob Orton and yeah. Jimmy Hart. Probably he's and Jimmy Hart's probably got megaphones and perfume atomizers and switchblades and stun grenades. <laughs> the crowd is just loving it because they've been trained to hate Adonis. What a great talker Adonis is, though. He, he comes in with just the most articulate Nick Bockwinkle list of insults and doesn't stammer, doesn't stumble. You backstabber, you Judas, you two timer. Like, it's just fucking <laughs> awesome. Like, he really lets Piper have it uh, about how Piper's pit is replacing the flower. Shop. Well, the, the funny thing is, is like, I mean, we have the body shop. We have, like, why can't there just be flower shop and Piper's Pit? You know, like, I mean, I, I know what storyline why, yeah. but like, in in actuality, like, they could have they could have coexisted. Sure, but, but this is more fun. Way more fun. Adonis just gets to uh, you know spout off on Piper, and it's great. He takes it all. It's no, there's no fisticuffs. Do not erupt. It's awesome. Basically, Adrian Adonis is like, "Have you heard of Battle of the Bands?" 
battle of the bands. He also refers to 1995 a lot. He's like, okay. you're the past. I'm the future. I'm 1995. AC's 1995. And um, <laughs> the battle of the bands, he's like, we're going to have a contest. The flower shop versus Piper's Pit. I challenge you next week or whatever. He's like, two weeks. Yeah, yeah two weeks. We don't need two weeks. We can sit down right now. Let's get to the bottom of this. And uh, then Piper sits down, and he gestures to the folding chair beside him. Adonis goes to plant his enlargening behind on it, and Piper does the old whoopsie, pulls the chair out from behind him, and Adonis does a backwards butt plant, somersault backwards, and like it's a big prop fucking fall. hilarious fall. comic Pratt fall and Piper marches off. He's won the encounter. That's right. It was fucking gold. Yeah, that was one of the clips I'd never ever seen and I saw it just yesterday or the day before whenever I saw it and yeah, it really made me laugh when he pulled that chair out. I didn't see that coming. Oh, great <laughs> comedy Pratt fall. So many times on Piper's Pit he would sit down with somebody. He'd go, yeah. no, 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 sit back down. You know, like, it was you really good. So, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Lured him in. <laughs> and it keeps going. There's more coming. So it's an important squash match coming up for our beloved British Bulldogs. The match itself isn't that our, important. Our beleaguered. Our beleaguered, yes, sir. I don't know. Is that how you our pronounce beat, that? Beaten I don't down. know. Yeah. Sounds about right. Bashed up, broken. Bashed up, beaten down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's time for them to lay the beating on. Battered. It's sa- it's, Battered. It's a Saturday morning. It's syndicated oh, TV. <laughs> so they're taking on Les Thornton and a man by the name of Jack Foley. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Looks like a slightly thinner, very young Cactus Jack. Aha. <laughs> so it's Mick Foley when his run as a jobber in the WWF. And this, it's funny, the A&E documentary on Mick Foley, he talks a lot about this. And it's kind of famous because I believe it's his first televised match for the WWF. It's his first sort of step into the big time from his, of his wrestling career. And he's on the rough end of a match. And he doesn't hold any grudges and thinks that it was totally an accident. So I know when I say what I'm about to say, a lot of people are going to be like, damn that Dynamite Kid, that bully. But I, I think it's a, a legit accident. So Dynamite Kid is famous for doing really devastating-looking clotheslines where he'd whip a guy off the ropes, and then he would come flying at the guy and really, like, decapitate him. Well, this clothesline gets up a little too high because you're ideally supposed to be clotheslining the guy in the chest where they can really safely take that bump. This shot gets up into Foley's face and breaks his jaw. Yeah. Yeah. And he continues the match. He wrestles the rest of the match. And this match ends with, and we've talked about a few different bulldog finishers, and this is one in this era that Dynamite's doing Davy Boy puts Cactus Jack like in an atomic po- drop position and sits him up on the ropes, facing outside of the crowd. And Dynamite comes over and gives him a back superplex and just destroys him. Oh man! Yeah, and this is a guy you know he's taking that move when he's already got a broken jaw. So, uh. but I mean, again, from from Mick Foley's own mouth, like you know he he like I, Dynamite Kid was one of his idols, right? Like he was a huge fan. It's as famously known. Mick Foley was literally in the crowd when Jimmy Snuka came off the cage. You know, Mick Foley had, had hitchhiked to get to that card. And you can see him. There's pictures. There's still photos people have taken, and you can zoom in on it. And there's, there's, there's Cactus Jack. There's Mick Foley in the crowd as a young guy watching Snuka come off that cage. So uh, Dynamite Kid was one of his idols, and he was sort of honored to be in that match. I've seen other uh, jobber matches of Mick Foley's. Like, I've seen him submit to Hercules on around this era. And I think I saw another tag match he was in maybe against the Rougeos or something. So... He's in there for a little bit before he moves on and you know becomes the amazing character that he becomes, but here he's just he's a punching bag. Now I'm an extra for WWE. You had to be pretty good to be an extra. Right. You know, to go in there with the best talent in the world and make sure you didn't mess up their stuff. And of course, 
if you're dynamite kid, Tommy Billington's on my he's on my Mount Rushmore. Like right. he's that wild card where he might not be on other people's Mount Rushmores, but no one ever goes, nah, he, that, yeah, this guy was Tommy was one of the best to ever do it. Cutting edge. Uh, yeah, and of course they the only way to ensure the stuff looks good with a guy having his first match is they're gonna make it look good. Right. And now I go out there and I'm actually feeling pretty good. You know, I had my little heel persona where I considered I was setting a bird free. That was my thing, Jack. Holy that was my thing. That was going to be my big move, setting a bird free. Why that said money to me, I don't know. And now I see Les Thornton in there. He's the man of a thousand moves. And I start realizing they've worked together. They're all British. They know each other. I'm going to get destroyed out there. That's what the yeah. question oh. I was going to ask you, because he never gets in. Uh, he, he, and uh, you once, get destroyed. Once he does his two, three minutes of technical wrestling, he never gets in there again. And I take that beating. And at a certain point, you could see me start to fire up did. on, on Davy, the worst looking punch in the world. They weren't bad. And I tell you, oh, okay, thanks, Steve. But what I see, Tommy starts shaking. Like, this is offensive to me that he's trying to pull this. But also, there was a deal where you were into the ropes, Davy Boy was going to take the tackle, but he didn't go down. You went down. My big move, exactly. the flying elbow, where I don't just hit him, I hit him and I spin in the air. And, and I hear laughter. Not, I wasn't prepared for the laughter, and I look up, and he hasn't sold it a bit. And then everything that Tommy did hurt for weeks, like every single thing. He sends me in. Locker up. Ooh, wow. Whoa. That doesn't look like Jack Tatum of the Oakland Raiders. And it wasn't how hard, because I've seen other clotheslines that yeah. were harder. Stan Hansen, Bradshaw. Yeah. But it was the fact that Tommy followed me in. So just as I come off those ropes, here he is, a bicep hitting me right in the jaw. And I didn't know the injury was a dislocated jaw. But three weeks, I, I couldn't chew anything. To this day, I don't think I could make my eyes roll up in my head like they did. It was just everything he did was 100%. There's a big main event in Philadelphia, August 23rd, five days before the big event in Toronto. And it's Hogan and Orndorff. And it looks like it's maybe a dress rehearsal <laughs> for the big show. <laughs> uh, naturally. You, yeah. You know, I mean, how many, how different can you keep it, you know, when you wrestle Tuesday night and Wednesday night and <laughs> Exactly, night. yeah. So we're not going to cover that here, Teaser. We're going to add that to this ever-developing Paul Orndorff Patreon episode. So this is a great time to <laughs> encourage you to head on over to patreon.com forward slash legendary wrestling obsession. And find, uh, find our channel, and hopefully you can sign up, support our show, and get that information. Because we're going to put a whole bunch of stuff to do with the Orndorff-Hogan feud from this summer all into that episode. It includes some other stuff that you know we did on Orndorff, kind of mini-bio, had a lot of fun with it. It was actually the first thing we ever recorded. So there'll be a combo of new recordings and old recordings, all uh, in yeah. one. We were like 14, I think, at the time. <laughs> we were just kids. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so head on over there and check that out. symbol of excellence in sports entertainment.
Right now, wrestling fans, the whole wrestling world talking about an individual named the Honky Tonk Man. Let's hear from him. The WWF is doing it. The WWF is doing it in a big way. They're bringing people from all over. You know, it's like the who's who of professional wrestling. They're bringing in, like, Seeker the Samoan out there right now, the wild man from Uganda, the Ugandan giant. They're bringing them in from all over, and you know where else they're coming from. They're coming from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of rock and roll. They're coming from a place where people like to strut and stroll. They're coming from the home of the 50s. Yeah, I got my hair greased back. I got a 57 Cadillac, baby, and I'm ready to roll in the WWF. Woo! Talk about excitement. You're going to see it when the Honky Tonk Man arrives here in the World Wrestling Federation. And you can bet we'll be bringing him to you right here on Wrestling Challenge. Let's go to Mean Gene for an update. Right. You know, I don't remember this section as well as you do. So I think you were, I know you were, much more dedicated. So this was a weekly part of the show that we had every Saturday morning, Mean Gene's Update. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was like my favorite part for a, for a stretch there when all we had was superstars and we didn't normally get much of a feature match, but the update became the thing, especially right around 87, when it became like, that's how they let you know about pay-per-views. And it would it, it would go on for months, you know? Like, they would start announcing a, the matches three, four months out, one every couple of weeks, you know? And then, or maybe not quite that much, but like, it was, you know, you were really building, and every week it was like, and it was early in the show. It, came, it was after the first commercial break, I think. So if you weren't, if I slept in, I missed it. You know, like if you missed the first 10 minutes of the show, let's say you would have missed it, you know? So oh, like, well, you, that was my specialty <laughs> is sleeping in. <laughs> I mean, Bundy instead had to be at the end of the program, like in order for me to have caught it <laughs> versus the Bulldogs, right? So yeah, I'm like, weekend, what were you, or sorry, it's called Update with Mean Gene. Oh, yeah, God. Mean Gene Update. Oh, and story sometimes, my life. And sometimes uh, Lord Alfred Hayes would do it. I've seen an update with Lord Alfred Hayes, and mm. you know it's, it depends on the on the particular show. It had different names and things. Man, but. that's there you go, folks. Jeff Hughes, underachiever, sleeper, inner. <laughs> you know they had this like psychology test when they're kids. Like they they give a kid a cookie, and they said if you can wait. Five minutes and not eat this cookie will give you two cookies. And I'm the kid who was done eating the cookie before they explained the deal. <laughs> the question. <laughs> run, run, run. Start over. Oh, God. Okay, so anyway, yeah, this is the much fabled Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as Bruce Lee. Um, boy, does he look fantastic. He's got such a tiny waist and these just, you know, giant shoulders and yeah. chest and arms compared to you know the rest of his body like it it almost does it looks so in this vignette it looks more disproportionate than i can ever remember like maybe right. he put more weight on his legs and his <laughs> waist <laughs> after but so what it is it's a, a series of well it's not really a short film but it's ninja attacks it's, <laughs> it's, it's a series of ninja attacks even with the wooden katana swords i can't remember what they're uh, called the the bamboo style kendo stick there you go yeah yeah We've seen a lot of those in wrestling over the years. Sure. What I do appreciate is that you don't have a whole bunch of lousy edits or shaky cameras. A movie like Gladiator, I would rather they just rehearsed, say, I swing and you it hits your sword. You know, we can probably do that safely instead of right. me swinging and it hits. Sorry. I, oh, yeah. So I swing and it hits your sword. Right. We don't need three cuts just for that one. I hit your sword, <laughs> you know, yeah. like edits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we can do that one swing and parry or block safely. Yeah. So Gladiator was too much. But this shows the danger of like, you know, letting the camera roll because they've rehearsed these fun fight scenes but you can tell that it obviously 
uh, pantomime in a way that wrestling doesn't look phony. They look yeah. so phony. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's that's it's an it. outdoor setting. I think he's on like a bridge or something. It's like they're in a formal garden or something. Yeah. Plus, they should have got. I guess you can't um, because these performers, the ninjas, are skilled athletes, graceful. Their moves are fantastic. They're, yeah. they're acrobats and like you know black belt karate guys to do this Probably, ninja yeah. shtick. At They've got at be. least they can replicate it. <laughs> yeah, because they look like they could kick some serious ass, yeah. but. They're all 110 pounds. <laughs> and, like, let's remember. Oh, and shout out to uh, Hanzo Hattori, ninjas. Right, here's the tie-in. Our first letter writer. Thank you so much, Hanzo. Uh, that handle is in reference to a historical ninja. And so here's Ricky fighting all these ninjas. Yeah. Ninjas are slender, stealthy. You know, they are in the shadows. Assassins. Yeah. They are not meant to go toe-to-toe, one-on-one with a samurai who's got all that armor. And, you know, that's why they dress in black and climb walls and use smoke bombs yeah anyway. so just to remind you when we did uh, one of our earliest ever recordings that hasn't been released yet which is a November 22nd 1986 Superstars of Wrestling episode a lot of it's based around Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage's match on that episode and that's where this first came up I, this is where I brought up this this fighting this training fighting ninjas so this is one of those ideas where they're reusing footage just like Lord Alfred Hayes showed the old Hulk Hogan, Mr. T training video, kind of like a year after right. the fact, right? Yeah. Same idea. This is like 1985 vignette yes. being reused here in 86. Right. So it's fun. You should check it out. They, they worked hard to memori- memorize their moves. And actually, I did a fight scene once, so I, I can relate to this because I did a boxing match on TV in an old Western thing. It's. Uh, I've also been in shows where I've had to learn dance moves. And you've got to memorize these dance moves. You've got to memorize when to punch, when to duck. There's a lot of work goes into this stuff. And if you, I think actually I did probably reference once on the show the boxing match and somebody getting injured. Not in mine, thankfully. But hats off to these guys because they had put together, like, there there aren't a bunch of edits. So they memorized and intricate. Yeah, and did it. And, yeah, and they're doing it on, like, at some, at, at, at some points, they're doing it on wooden bridges and not right. soft wrestling mats or bouncy canvases, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So for what it's worth, these guys all kick ass. It's awesome, wonderful entertainment. And, you know, so let's not be too critical. It's a little cringy. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, let's let's take a much sunnier view and say what fun it is to see Ricky Steamboat fight the ninjas. There's one other check out. I think it's uh, Peaches, that song where at the end of it, the video, the band gets attacked by ninjas. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's a great song, too. I think the band's called Presidents of the United States that of America. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, great fun. Here's another epic <laughs> ninja fight. There you go. 80s was all about the ninjas. Ninjas movies are so popular. And yes, I think that was maybe a 90s band, but still, you know, Ricky Steamboat could have been right at home in this. <laughs> yes. Okay, so part of this September 27th Superstars of Wrestling episode is a really important part of the Piper's Pit Flower Shop Vendetta. It just occurred to me, too, in the video, they have all these, like, sounds of the ninjas going, yeah, and, whoop, <laughs> and jumping in a tree, so the song doesn't have that, but the video does. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> For update. I'm Gene Okerlund. Ladies and gentlemen, superstar Billy Graham. Hey, man, I dig them earrings. Oh, Jesse the Body Ventura, I guess you do dig my earrings because, see, Jesse the Body, you took those earrings from superstar Billy Graham, you took the tie-dye from superstar Billy Graham, you took the excitement from superstar Billy Graham, and you took my rap from superstar Billy Graham. I guess you do like I am the superstar.
Okay, so the flower shop. Yeah, they're really uh, they they're nailing it here. Okay, so this is uh, after that brilliant pratfall. Now this is the proper debate. Well, maybe a contest. The battle of the bands. Flower shop versus Piper's pit. So we start with Piper, and the crowd's just loving him. The camera's on him. He's got his microphone. He, he says, ah, ha, ha. And then he's about to say something, and then Jimmy Hart comes in. Welcome to the flower shop with adorable Adrian. <laughs> and the camera cuts over. So you have to interrupt. Adrian starts to, you know, begin the flower shop. It isn't long before Piper gets in there, and there's confrontations. And what happens ultimately is that Piper is able to get Adonis tongue-tied and flustered so that his duties <laughs> as a talk show host have failed, right? And then Piper's like, okay, okay, yeah, that's enough for you. Come with me. And the cameraman follows <laughs> Piper over his shoulder to his set, Piper's Pit. And then he introduces the guest of the week, and it looks like he's won, you know, this debate because he just yeah. got Adonis so upset. And uh, Morocco comes out, and Morocco these days— Sorry, Piper brought Morocco? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so Morocco's not involved until Piper goes over okay. to Piper's set, you know? Right. So it's kind of like Piper wins because he gets Adonis flustered. He can't talk. Yeah. Can't speak properly. So he's like, yeah, I'm the better talk show host. So let's go over to my show and let's do a talk show. Here comes Don Morocco. But he's Piper, so he's got to make fun of everybody that's <laughs> on his show. And this is um, Morocco Vice. So he's, right. you know, oh, you Trust Think you're chilled out, Miami Vice. We got the what's his fucking name? The Don actor. Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Yeah. So there goes my ace impression. <laughs> <laughs> Morocco's looking good. He's sporting a beard, and we, I didn't realize what a great promo guy Morocco was. See earlier this episode when Piper's belittling you, it's hard to get a word in, <laughs> and uh, it isn't long before Piper's calls him fat. That's right. And this gets the attention of Adonis comes in. Who are you calling fat? And Morocco's like, who are you calling fat? And then Piper's, oh, take your pick. We got this. You got that. And then <laughs> Acey's on the other side with his pink hat. Yeah. So he's like surrounded by three bad guys. And uh, But this Piper has got balls big as church bells. Right. He turns around and there's Ace and, and he, he gives Ace a shove, gets shoved back. And fisticuffs emerge. Yeah, Morocco grabs his arms from behind and oh, traps yeah. him, you know, and then right. that that allows the, 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 oh. the triple triple beatdown. Holy smokes, and what a beatdown. I mean, they go for his legs, they put makeup on his face, so there's always that extra humiliation. Right, yeah. And you, his face is all red, you know, yeah. with that yeah. Adonis makeup. And they bash his set and his portraits. They smash up all the pictures of Piper, and uh, they... Uh, it's 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 a legendary uh, trouncing. Yeah, I mean this. I think of all the stuff leading up for this stuff, this is the one that gets played back the most. This and probably the next one are the ones that get repeated a lot. You know, like they replayed on TV multiple times, and they're the ones I saw. So, like I said, as a kid, I kind of missed the whole like Piper coming back and talking with Adonis, and it was all for me. It was always like post facto, like you know, Piper was already attacked. By the time I kind of like got to see a clip, like there was times 100%. when we were out at the lake that I just I, I can't remember why we couldn't get our uh, the signal was very weak during the day sometimes and you we actually couldn't watch our t like at night it would come in crystal clear like if you're watching TV at like ten eleven midnight or whatever it, it would be pretty good but we're talking rabbit ears here right so like I'm trying to pick up my CKND like wow. <laughs> And it would just be really bad during the day and sometimes, or we just had things. Like my parents would take us somewhere, so I wasn't home. We need some Bill Nye science guy on that. That's right. That's fascinating. And I needed to be more forceful about, I'm not going to miss wrestling. <laughs> 
Right. Well, it is so much more fun to see the slow build of Piper's face turn, which was inevitable. The crowd was not going to have anything else. I'm really enjoying reviewing this because you just summed it up beautifully. Somehow Piper was a good guy as soon as I blinked my eyes. Yeah. Because I guess, well, 14 years old, summertime, and, you know. Yeah, other things come up and you miss an episode or something. Yeah, and the next thing you know, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe especially summertime. I don't know. But I just didn't have that damn discipline to watch those shows. But somehow I caught Bundy and Stud versus the Bulldogs. <laughs> so this is minutes later in the dressing room area. Piper is out of his mind injured and still in kind of panic resistance fight back mode. He doesn't know who's around him. It's Mostly, we have the Islanders there. I don't usually see the Appy or like a, a, the thinner guy, not Sika, but like. Right. Or can, is King Tonga there or Haku there? He's definitely, Tama and, ha and Haku are the Islanders and, you know, okay. they're they're definitely there. I can't, I, I saw it last week and I don't remember. There's three guys. Right. There's okay. three Anyway, there. and they're yeah. trying to help him and yes. he's flailing. He, they're trying to sit him on a chair, but he slides off it onto the ground and then yeah. he's just like, he's, he's, he's trying to grab Anybody, you know, and, and, and land punches. And fortunately, he doesn't hurt any of his would-be rescuers. But, uh, yeah, Piper looks in terrible trouble. I think somebody does get, you know, a, probably a chair in the shin. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's doing great. He's yeah, he's selling. just flailing out of control. And this yeah. is sort of the end of the show. They're just kind of, it's a very last segment of the show as the show kind of goes off the air. He's just kind of checking up on Piper and finding out he's just devastated backstage and still out of it. <laughs> yep. We're getting near the end of our setup here. So... This is the match that I would rather tell you about, and that is the British Bulldogs once again against Sheik and Volkov, September 30th. The really unique thing about the start of this match is this crowd hates Sheik and Volkov and Slick, and they fill the ring with garbage during Volkov's anthem. And it just, the thing is, it keeps coming. Like, you, we're talking, like, minutes later, and there's still pieces bouncing off, you know, and you can see the ref walking around trying to kick it out, and the wrestlers are kind of trying much. to kick it out. Like, they literally needed someone to come run in there with one of those big, flat, you know, three-foot brooms or whatever to sweep this all out, because it looked dangerous. It looked like you could slip on it. But, I mean, what, talk about the heat. And I, watching it a second time, I was watching the security guards as they were looking into the crowd. You know, like in a show, like if people throw stuff, they try and identify them and kick them out. <laughs> but, right. but there was so much stuff being thrown out that, like, how could you catch them all? <laughs> yeah. The only saw this is i think that they were serving drinks in these wax cups you know yes it was like, mostly looked like crumpled up cups or something yeah and yeah. uh i remember something we covered where maybe a popcorn bag or something yeah one time we covered a match where you could hear it when the object fell that it was a tin can or yeah, you know, you said a that, pop yeah. can that's and right, i was yeah. like ooh, that's <laughs> convincing you know <laughs> who needs your little razor blade in the wrist when you got the you know it's pop cans from the crowd so this match represents a little bit better balance of a match between these two teams. I'm not going to go blow for blow here. I just want to cover a few things. There is one really funny spot that really just made me howl. Um, so the start of the match, of course, any Sheik and Volkov match is going to draw the USA chance from the crowd. But any time that the you know, protagonist is not an American, that seems kind of silly. So the UK boys are pumping their fists to the crowd going, you know, yeah, chant USA, USA. But it's like, they're the English guys <laughs> that have more of a connection to Canada. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's pretty funny. So, yeah. but we'll, uh, we'll forgive it. I mean, you just take, you take the uh, cheers however you can get We're them. used to it because we're here in Winnipeg, you know, Hacksaw Duggan would come to town or any, you know, any, any one of them. And, you know, we're not going to chant USA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So the start of this match is pretty good for the Bulldogs. They do get in several moves and blows. You know, this isn't just two moves and then they get beat up for 10 minutes. So they, they get the, they get to shine. They also tag early. That's the other thing that's kind of like a, the, the other match I skipped over from Philly. Like, you know, eight minutes goes by and it's still the Dynamite's still in the ring and has never tagged Davey Boy in. You know, it's just like, oh, what, you know. The opposite of Exactly, exactly famous. the opposite one, yeah. So this one's good because, it, you know, it does have different stuff. There is one uh, sequence coming off the ropes. Shiki does a, a leapfrog. <laughs> it looks great, but it ends up in a reversal with, uh, with a hip toss from Davy Boy. So Shiki taking a bump, and he takes a couple of body slams. He takes some, uh, you know, he takes some clotheslines. He takes headbutts. Volkov's getting, you know, taking some shots. The bad guys, of course, do get, you know, the heat on the on the good guys, and they they do beat on them for quite a while. That's to be expected and fine. So it's dynamite that it gets trapped in there for most of the match. So finally, uh, there's a whip off the ropes by Volkov, and Dynamite Kid does this great little like scoot. He like sneaks the go under. He, he sneaks under Volkov's legs, and that's how he gets the tag to Davy Boy, who comes in house of fire as a proper good guy should, and double noggin knocker, and all these different moves. And this is where we get this beautiful spot that I didn't think I'd ever see. Davy Boy whips Nikolai off the ropes. And he puts this bear hug on him. He catches him and lifts him up in the air, and he's holding him up for like a long time. And Volkov selling him like a, like a pro. He's just like it's great. He's like, <laughs> double Volkov. So Sheik comes in, but he just he doesn't go right over. He t- really takes his time. He he walks around in a big arc behind Davy Boy, and he really sets it up. And he lo- he loads the boot up, and he comes up behind Davy Boy, and he goes for this kick. And at the last second, Davy Boy, aha! <laughs> he spins it around. So Volkov kicks. Yeah, pardon me, Sheik kicks Volkov. Ooh, I love it with the loaded <laughs> so, boot. So funny. Tap, tap. So Davey Boy drops Volkov, takes Sheik, whips him off the rope, puts him in a bear hug. Nice. <laughs> Problem is, Sheik's not the legal man, so, yeah. you know, and that's where they get the, Volkov comes and hits Davey Boy. Where's Albano? He's got to be pointing out these mistakes. I don't think Albano's at ringside. I didn't even go back and look for that, but I don't think he's yeah. there. This match kind of comes down to, from that point on, There's a, they put the heat on Davey Boy. Sheik does do a side suplex, gets the camel clutch on. Dynamite comes in, breaks up the camel clutch. Beats up Volkov, and that's when Davy Boy puts a small package on the Sheik. So the ref is getting dynamite out of there, and Volkov does like almost like the U.S. Express finish, where he like takes the legs and he makes it so instead of Davy Boy going for the pin, now Sheiky's on top. Sheiky's going for the pin, right. and he turns around and he puts his arms up in celebration. Nikolai, and the referee sees him after he's escorted dynamite out. So he's now he has to escort Volkov out, and right. behind the back, dynamite scoots back in. Flips it back, so now Davy Boy's on top, and Nikolai's still celebrating, <laughs> and we yeah. get the one, two, three. <laughs> ah, finally, a little respect for our British. Yeah, Bulldogs. more like a maybe a, a sixty forty match as opposed to like a ninety ten. So good, you know. Yeah, and that 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 bear hug with the kick that was like really funny. I can't remember seeing something like that before, and it was really good because he didn't you didn't see it coming. You didn't think Davy Boy was going to turn around. He wasn't looking over his shoulder or anything. It was, I guess maybe Volkov told him when to turn around or something. It was really well-timed. Love it. Okay, let's follow things up here with October 4th with another segment with Piper. So I almost thought this was the same episode, but uh, you can correct me. Either way, it chronologically storyline, Piper is on a crutch and a bat. He's got a crutch <laughs> under his armpit and a cane. It was like, I, I, but it's not a cane. It's a bat. <laughs> and he takes that bat to the flower shop. And uh, as a plant lover and a bit of a gardener myself, I <laughs> lament this. Uh, but, the, you know, the truth is that maybe, you know, when you smash a ceramic pot, you you, you might not be killing that plant. You, know, you could always <laughs> scoop it up, replant it, save those little. Anyway, Piper goes ballistic and he bashes the crap out of the flower shop and smashes the sets like the lattice and the flats. 
and uh, all the poor little plants get, you know, their his frustration gets taken out on these poor little plants. There isn't going to be a flower shop anymore. <laughs> no. No <laughs> more flower shop. End of it. Yeah, the carpenters will have to rebuild all that stuff. Anyway, that certainly seals the deal. This attack, we talked earlier about how the double cross is the, the last nail in the coffin. But the crowd was already cheering him. Yeah. So they, you know, to go with the flow, you're going to have to, you know, have him betrayed by his other bad guy buddies. That's right. Mostly Ace Cowboy Bob Orton. Oh, Corey was having fun thinking about the possibility yeah. of turning Ace face. That's right. I mean, I, I, I've said it before, but I always kind of, I always a sucker for like the, the he didn't turn on him story like the the brothers or the friends or the you know yeah. whatever it is like there's so many examples there's hundreds of examples in movies and TV of this you know the be- the brother the friend the whatever turns on you so it would have been great if when this attack this three on one happened instead of having Orton really have him be more of a bystander and have Morocco and Adonis you know kind of put start putting the beat down and then have Orton be a little conflicted a little delayed. And then all of a sudden, Norton, you know, like after all those years with, with Piper, he just, you know, he can't do it. He's got to stick with Piper. <laughs> I love it. And he starts throwing fists and, you know. Oh, he deserved that, you know, because then he could have got some cheers, well, some people love. People would have loved him. He would have been like, <laughs> he would have been great. Oh, he's got that great voice. But then Piper. Money, was, brother. You were paying me peanuts. <laughs> but then Piper probably wouldn't have had the injury. Or I guess yeah. they could have done it differently where Ace wasn't even there and they injured him. And then Piper. Yeah. And then he came out and ran them off. But, I mean, it kind of in the moment he needed to, you know, for my visual, he needed to be there to, you know, make it. It would have been great, and they wouldn't have had to have run with it into the 90s. You know, like <laughs> That's right, yeah. Just a, a couple of tours, and it would have been fantastic because these guys already work together so very well. Yeah. So now to see them tag team as faces would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, it would have been Think a lot of Think of the fun. laughs you know, we would have got <laughs> out of uh, you know their antics as good guys. Yeah, that's right. Orton could have put the cast back on. The crowd would be cheering it. Oh, it would, <laughs> would have been great. Instead, we have Piper doing a solo renegade rebel face Psycho lone wolf. Yeah. And and it's much more satisfying now that I've covered it in, we have covered it in detail. I see how awesome it was. And yeah, like I I think we mentioned earlier in the show, I couldn't believe Piper just shows up and with no prompting, the crowd is chanting his name against that Bertuzzi guy. Petruzzi, Petruzzi, yeah. I I think that there's sort of almost like a rule in wrestling where if somebody goes away, whether it be for injury or other reasons, and they're a bad guy, when they come back, they got to be. It's almost like they have to be a good guy. Yeah. Like Triple H breaks his thigh or whatever, (laughs) whatever injury it is, and when he comes back for no reason, he's he's a hero. (laughs) Yeah. Andre was a hero when he went away and came back as the machine. (laughs) And uh, I know I believe we did already mention this. He was filming The Princess Bride, and we'll get more into that wonderful movie. When yeah. it is released. Yeah, they just started the filming, which I don't think he's a part of because he's around at some of this stuff. So he his filming part must be coming up here in the fall. It doesn't really say, right? You just see a, a filming window over a few months. So that's a big part of what he's doing, and we'll find a way to uh, touch on that in the fall. All right, we got one last premiere match to close things out, and that's a, another Battle of the Machines versus the Heenan family, but this time it's Piper Machine. So we've already established how preposterous it is for Bobby Heenan to be in the ring with Big John and King Kong Bundy. But he does weigh 236 pounds. That's not far off from Macho Man. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, funny, the other day, King Kong Bundy hates Macho Man, and he was complaining about him. I won't even get into the kind of... It, nobody really looks good, but Bundy's like, huh, yeah, he weighed a buck eighty-five. Is what he said about <laughs> Macho Man, and I did the guy that I knew, the, the wrestler Agent Orange. He did say that they were always adding twenty. Oh, 20. I, I believe that for the most yeah. part, they were always adding twenty to thirty pounds. Right. 
make them sound bigger. Yeah. So if Macho Man was announced at uh, 240 or something. Sometimes in the 230s, yeah. Yeah. Then he's more like under 220, possibly. Yeah. I think in like 88, 89, when he's at the peak of his steroids, he's probably closer to 250 or something. But there's definitely when he's leaner, you know, like he probably With the caveat less. being, did you see him in WCW? Oh, yeah. He was, yeah, he's then thicker. Then he puffed up. He's thicker, yeah. And I think now yeah, he's. Just the Spider-Man. <laughs> Bone yeah. saws, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like that guy is thick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, interesting. Yep. Okay, so where did we say we are? This, uh, We're in Boston. This is a neat thing. Gardens. So Saturday Night's Main Event was recorded September 13th or 15th, not really important, but like pre-recorded, right? And then it airs the night of October 4th. That same day, October 4th, if you were in Boston, you could be at this card or perhaps watching on NESN, Nessen, as I think people like to say. So this card was broadcast live, you know, on, on the Boston Right, and because, of course, what would be the sense of Heenan cutting a promo on Piper Sand that's going to air a week later? That's right, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, like, in Boston, they're watching Heenan saying, you know, stay out of this Piper, you know what's good for you, you know, you don't want trouble with the Heenan family. That's right. That night, they get to see the main event. So, this is the land of Pete Doherty, Boston <laughs> Gaddens. That's right. Hopefully, he'll make a run in to the ring and save the machines. <laughs> Or the heels. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bad guy. Maybe so the maybe, heels. That's maybe you right. save the bad guys. Yeah. So we have the um, kind of Jaws theme, for the, which is the machine's music. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did, burner, hear, I did hear it, yeah. Burner, burner. That's kind of burner, fun, yeah. Burner, 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 burner. Piper has got a mask on, and he's wearing a T-shirt, but the logo's been cut out. So they're playing this angle like, it's not really Rowdy Rowdy Piper, which I called into question earlier, but never mind. So Piper, right. you know, he gets into the ring, and Heenan is, like, trying to prove now, the whole shtick of trying to prove that Andre the Giant is Giant Machine. Now it's, Heenan's got to prove that Piper's son is Rowdy Rowdy Piper. It's Piper <laughs> Machine. And so Piper keeps doing peekaboo, you know, away from the referee, like as if the yeah, referee yeah, yeah. can't know. You know, it's like if the referee <laughs> finds out Piper's in trouble, the machines will be disqualified. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's all kind of silly. Yeah. But like From Glasgow, Scotland, the Piper yeah, machine. That's right. It's pretty silly. To the degree where Piper throws what I, I now realize the logo that he cut out of his T-shirt, he throws at Heenan. And Heenan is like, what, what, what? he looks at it all flustered. He opens it up. He sees that it's the, he probably hot rod. Yeah. And then he goes over to the ref like, ah, look at that, there it is, proof, proof, look at that. And Piper's already like shown his face to the crowd, and yeah, yeah. and it's it's good, silly fun. So that's all before the match even begins. So a lot of stick. Right. I, I guess my big question is, is he limping? Does he have, is he showing any injuries? No. So that's pretty curious because all this stuff happened, and he continues on with the crutch and the, you know, everything is. Hey, wait a minute. They do work his leg later. Sorry. I know they work his leg later. But, I mean, he should be coming. Hypothetically, he should be coming into the match injured. I think there could be bandages on his leg. It, there's no crutch. Yeah. There's definitely no crutch. He's, okay. like, strutting to the ring. Okay. And we see him. He, maybe, maybe that's why he's Piper Machine. So you can Piper Piper Machine doesn't have a leg injury. Roddy Piper has a leg injury. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. You got it. You figured it out. Like in P.I. Draper. Good job. Because I think the injuries look minor in this match. Right. And, uh, yeah. and and that's, yeah, good stuff. Okay, because otherwise he should be on the to crutch. Exactly. He's that would have, make it more fair that Heenan's there. Well, he ha <laughs> we know he has the crutch against Adrian Adonis, like, down the road. Yeah. Right? When he Does he – well, he, he'll, he'll – 
will he have the crutch against the Sheik? I'm assuming he'll have to, oh, right? Oh, you'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the well, big part of the match. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have to. Yes. But there's no crutch here. Yeah. Okay. So, therefore, everybody's in the ring, and we're getting ready for the match to start. The ring announcer is helping build the heat. He announces the giant John Studd, but Gorilla Monsoon refers to him as Big John Studd. <laughs> there's a lot of bowing. Play up this whole idea that the machines are from Japan. It, uh, we have Mean Gene on the mic with Gorilla. The Super Machine, also known as Bill Eady or Axe from Demolition, starts the match against King Kong Bundy. It's kind of funny when, uh, barring Bobby Heenan, Bill Eady is the smallest guy in the match. That's right. <laughs> but uh, he's got so much history with Andre the Giant. But Andre's not here. He's just looming large. His, you know, this whole thing is kind of like to, to keep Andre in the storyline. So we get a collar and elbow lockup, of course. I, I don't know why anybody does this with King Kong Bundy, because he's going to smash you with a forearm. <laughs> um, but in this case, of course, first he backs up. Smash, no, uh, Super Machine into the uh, and a masked superstar. We didn't mention that in this particular breath. Um, he backs up Super Machine into the ropes and gives him four big clump, well, four arms, three to the chest and one to the back. Ooh and then boy. he yeah, immediately whips him into the corner and goes for an avalanche. Oh, a finisher right <laughs> off the bat. But no foreplay, just that's <laughs> right. As the smallest guy in the ring, barring Bobby Heenan, Super Machine gets out of the way and avalanche nothing. He <laughs> crashes into the corner, much like a Bret Hart sternum bump. Right. And uh Super Machine bounces off the rope and hits him with a clothesline. So Bundy's doing the stagger, one foot back, ah, another foot back, ah, <laughs> waving his arms. You know, it's great. The crowd is, uh, you know, chanting, weasel, weasel. He follows up the clothesline with a flying cross body block, but Bundy does catch him and teeters and... Finally, he goes over, says Gorilla. The match is only 15 seconds in. <laughs> and uh, I think Bundy's so fresh that there's not even a one count. Kicks out right away. Yeah. But uh, it's looking good. Super Machine's getting some offense in. The Weasel Chant is much now. You can Once they that little spot, you know, uh, calms down, then the crowd picks up the Weasel Chant. And, and he's, of course, uh, so great at, at working the crowd. As Greg Gagne said, I'll never get tired of quoting him. He said Bobby Heenan was his biggest talent, their biggest talent in the AWA. Everybody makes a tag. The Big Machine, also known as Blackjack Mulligan, steps into the ring. And Big John Studd also enters the fray. They lock up, and uh, these guys are a better matchup than Bundy and Super uh, yeah. Machine. The collar and elbow goes into a lock, a headlock from Big Machine onto Big John Stud, but he easily pushes Big Machine off and into the ropes, which results in a shoulder block. A very even result we get. In fact, Gorilla quotes his famous line: "It's the irresistible force meets the immovable object." <laughs> then Big Machine starts pointing at Piper, and Piper starts aping how he wants to get in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me in there because the crowd's, you know, really excited to have Piper back. They probably haven't had a look for quite some time, so uh, they tag in Piper San. <laughs> Collar and elbow, bad idea. <laughs> Forearm sandwich for Piper Sand from Big John Stud. <laughs> clobber, clobber. And then much like this bulldog match, he goes for a backdrop. Piper does the sunset flip, as one often will attempt when somebody tries to uh, back body drop you. And he gets it. Well, I mean, he does manage to get Big John Stud over. He doesn't freeze right. him like he did Davy Boy. But uh, again, Stud's so fresh that it doesn't result in, a, in, I even think, a one count. 
So they get back up on their feet, and Piper, you know, does more peekaboo to the crowd, which is enrages body. <laughs> Whenever the ref's not looking, Piper shows that it's him. Again, there's no stakes at all to why Piper's identity can't be seen, but he's just really hamming it up. Yeah. And the commenters are saying, Piper's going to have some, they're calling him Rowdy Piper. He's going to have some fun tonight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In short order, Piper's on fire he unloads with his really quick boxing style jabs and so much so that big john backs up into a corner but not the heel corner like a a neutral Neutral corner corner, yeah Yeah, just to get away from piper and piper's like so jacked up he flies into the the bad guy corner where bobby heenan runs away (laughs) and bundy's left by himself so he takes all these punches he's getting clobbered by piper even to the degree that piper wraps the tag rope around bundy's neck and he's choking him in the heel (laughs) corner while big john's just like what the heck and bobby's like afraid of this madman it's a pretty great to, spot to make it even to make it a little bit less silly they maybe should have called him like hot machine or scott scotland machine or something like something that. like that <laughs> but it was awesome when he can't when he finally when he you know this is like the first action right like the yeah. build-up to this so yeah what uh it was pretty exciting when he when he finally got in there and and got to uh really unload some offense i think piper might have been a dusty Rhodes fan because he does a bit of that silly strutting you know by putting his hand behind <laughs> yeah. his you know his butt and just kind of doing a bit of a weird waddle kind of funky strut ape into the crowd so i mean yeah piper's gifts whether he's feel heel or face you know he's just he's outstanding but of course he's supposed to be from japan so he's bowing to super you know once he's done <laughs> doing the dusty strut he's doing some bows now big john stud is on the floor so the referee begins to count him out which naturally means that uh, he's got to get in the ring because the match is far from over. Once Piper and Big John Stud lock up again, he takes Piper into the wrong part of town, and he's now in the bad guy corner where they do lift his injured leg, and you can see some bandaging. Right. Even though he's not really selling it, like, he's uh, fine. He's not limping. Or no, not limping, yeah. and he's wrestling at 100%. Yeah. Uh, until now, I guess, because now they take his leg and they <laughs> drape it over the second rope and they start working it, like laying yeah. knees into his upper thigh and that kind of stuff. When Big John gets back into the ring, Piper does a real obvious backup into the heel corner where he does, without saying it, a hold me because he puts his arms out like that for Bundy <laughs> to catch him. You know what I mean? Like it's just so obvious of like that he's telegraphing to Bundy, yeah. like you gotta, you know, hold me back. Yeah, <laughs> <the time. laughs> oh shit, I mean, the, you know, the, not the hold me back is, you know, but yeah, yeah anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Let that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So this is how, uh, uh, okay, so that's Piper winds up in the, in the bad guy corner this way because um uh stud comes in backs him in there gets held by bundy and then studs like aha piper is held so he goes through a big club but piper gets away and he hits bundy (laughs) (laughs) and then big john's like "Uh oh when piper gives him a little eye poke (laughs) so yes lots for the the crowd to cheer for the referee's complaining to piper machine about people getting poked in the eyes so piper makes it look like he's gonna poke the ref in the (laughs) eyes you're gonna get one too (laughs) he's like "Ah, don't you That was a pretty good little spot. The next little bit we get is Heenan taunts Piper Machine into a weasel chase, which always ends up badly for the faces. I don't know why they never learned their lesson, but this ends up in Piper coming in, and this is how Big John Stud gets control of Piper. It takes him into his corner and drapes his leg over so they can start to work on the entry. So I I got my spots wrong. We're taking notes here, trying to keep the matches in order, but it isn't easy. We're working hard to deliver to you a (laughs) blow-by-blow of the action, so sorry for getting 
everything a little mixed up. But now Piper is getting worked on. So he had lots of offenses. You know, crowds are fucking excited as hell because he's been yeah. looking great. Uh, and now they slow things down. Piper is getting uh, all these uh, blows to the the inner thigh where he's been, you know, and his knee, and, and he's looking in trouble. The commentators make reference to the attack on the flower shop by Ace and Morocco, naturally, as they would. Okay. So then timeline-wise, they're not 100% trying to just ignore it. That's good. And they're working the hot tag, of course. They're building that. We get a bear hug that Piper is suffering. Uh, let's see. That probably is Stundy. Uh, Stundy. Dud. Because I have here, we have a tag for <laughs> King. a great tag team name. Yeah. Stundy. <laughs> After a bear hug. We tag in, like, again, Stud and Bundy, they worked well together as a tag team. Oh, at this point, Lots they've had tags. so many tag matches. Like, in 85, they said, they're not a proper tag team. By 86, they're a proper tag team. Yeah. Because they, like, they do a lot of tag matches together. Mm-hmm. So now they're working a triple team in the corner where Piper is, you know, taking the beats. One of the machines comes in illegally, and that, of course, distracts the ref. And that allows Heenan to make his entrance <laughs> into the melee. And it's pretty good. He uh, he's working the leg at first. You know, Piper's on his back, so he's kicking the leg. And now uh, we're gonna see Heenan go to work. That's right. <laughs> so Heenan's gonna go for a fist drop, but instead of like his fist hitting Piper's face, Piper raises his leg so that Heenan's face hits Piper's knee, and he sells it so great. So basically, Heenan gives him some a kind of a weird reverse knee drop to the face. <laughs> as Piper, the face. As, face drop to the knee. Yeah, face drop to the knee because Piper's on his back. <laughs> and so that's really good. That backfires. And then Piper uh, is able to get up. But what happens instead is that Piper prevents Bobby from tagging instead of going for his own tag to get a right. machine in. So that's a bit dumb because uh, Piper's close enough to tag in another heel. And now Piper's still trapped. Another face, you mean? No. Uh, maybe I said something wrong. So Piper stops Heenan from going and tagging yes. at first. He tries. Okay, yes, yes. Instead of like taking that, you know, Heenan's bump allowing him to tag in. He's like, you're not going anywhere, Weasel, right? Because Heenan's like, ouch, I went out. And Piper's like, no, no, you don't. But Piper's been getting beaten up really bad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Heenan is close enough to tag in Bundy. I see, and Piper didn't go tag himself is sort of what you're getting at. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I may have misspoke. Yeah. So indeed, Piper stays. Another heel comes in, and we're back to the heels dominating Piper because he does have injuries. Although it doesn't look as bad as they should from what we saw earlier. Um, there's a uh, semi-botch where uh, it looks like Piper's going to duck a clothesline. It, it looks like a miss, but he clips him. So Piper stops, you know, and like does a slow like wobble <laughs> and then fall down. And they're like, I think he grazed him here. But at first, like, no, missed him. Oh, no, no he, he got Oh, he got him because Piper falls down again. And now we have the first unmask attempt because remember, if they can unmask and prove that it's Piper, then that not, doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing at all. That's right. It really does. But that will get you some jab sandwiches, peanut butter and jab from Piper. And, you know, so he starts throwing the quick quick punches against King Kong Bundy, who just clubs Piper down because Piper's been taking the battering. Right. So he he can't uh, overcome this mountain of a man, almost 500 pounds, not in the shape he's in. The blob from the X-Men. He's (laughs) King Kong Bundy. Yeah. Boy, they botched that in the movie, The Blob. Hmm. Anyway, some of the best comic stuff, but bad in the movie. So Bobby gets another attempt to uh, get some licks in. He uh, picks up Piper off the camera. So King Kong Bundy tags in Bobby. He comes in, picks up Piper, headbutts him. And, of course, you know, for one moment, Piper is a Samoan now, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> because in as Piper's son, he's a foreigner. Therefore, oh, okay. he has a hard head. <laughs> Nobody says this. This is just my speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Gorilla does say, oh, he didn't do his homework to Gene. <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like, uh, basically, he didn't may as well headbutt a lamppost. That's right. <laughs> At this point, again, Piper could easily tag in a machine, but he doesn't. He keeps fighting King Kong Bundy. And so Piper's taking the heat, and they're building the hot tag. They're just bi- uh, battering Piper sand like, like shrimp tempura. So they go for a cover, but that doesn't work. Uh, they tag in Big John Studd, and I might have got my spots wrong regarding the Bulldog match. Here, for sure, Big John Studd is taunting the machines by letting Piper reach as far as he can, but just not close enough to get the tag to either Big Machine or Super Machine. And then he yanks him back and then lets him sort of take a few more steps like a toddler on a safety <laughs> leash. And, and if I attributed that to the Bulldogs match incorrectly, that's my bad. But we get an eye poke and the hot tag. <laughs> In comes the big machine, and he punches everybody in the ring and out of the ring, at least the bad guys anyway. He goes for a body slam on Big John Studd, but it doesn't work. And so Big John Studd's too close to heel town, and the big machine gets trapped in the heel corner. They start working him a little bit, but that's, that interferes the bo- with the body slam. They get back into the center of the, of the ring, and there's a whip attempt, but a reversal and an elbow by King Kong Bundy at this point. Big Machine goes down, but he gets back up, and he takes some punches from King Kong Bundy, but Bundy misses a big knee drop. He is able to keep control of the pace of the match, though, King Kong Bundy, by tagging in Big John Stud. Stud whips Big Machine off the ropes and has lands a big clothesline and then a body slam. He gets a one count, and then finally we get a rest hold. There's a chin lock from Big John Stud onto Big Machine. They work their way back to their feet, Big John Stud whips him into the ropes and tries for a back body drop, but he really telegraphs this one. <laughs> and for his efforts, he gets a boot. This tags in Piper San, who comes in and takes a bunch of clubs before he doesn't sell those clubs. <laughs> he unmasks. He's had enough. Throws the mask in Big John's face. And Big John's like, what? what? <laughs> totally stunned. And then he starts boxing. And just punching Big John Stud, and Big John's very graciously selling, stunned, and you know, at the, at the flurry of blows, Piper tries to whip Big John Stud into the corner, but Big John is so big, and large and heavy, he just plants his feet, and he whips Piper into the opposite corner. Big John turns around and tries to follow with a thunderous shoulder block, squishing like Avalanche style, but with his shoulder, and Piper steps out of the way, and then, oh my God. Piper picks up and body slams Big John Stud clean. No interference, no Bobby Heenan, nobody stops it. Slam. The crowd goes fucking insane. They do not... Big John does not let everybody slam him. He basically every match is is kind of like, a, will you slam me? And and really, yeah, a, tease, a tease of it, and it basically doesn't happen except for the handful of times. It's not Hogan or Andre. It's uh, and you know one time for King Tonga. We don't see that a lot. I did not see it coming in this match, and not Piper. And so holy cow, like what an exciting moment! Everybody just goes fucking insane. Yeah, I read where one of the one of the matches that's just a house show match where Big Machine slammed him, but I mean Big Machine's huge, so that's different. Yeah, wasn't expecting it. Piper's not known for his strength. That was just incredible. He uh, only gets a one count because King Kong Bundy comes into the ring to clobber Rowdy Piper with an elbow drop. Rowdy Piper sees it coming and gets out of the way so that King Kong Bundy ends up dropping an elbow on Big John Stud. This is as Big Machine and Super Machine climb into the ring and respectively they both handle Bobby the Brain Heenan and Big John Stud. No, King Kong Bundy as Piper goes 
back on top of Big John Stud, and this time for the one, two, three Whoa, clean wow, win. Wow. Yeah. So I'm for sure this match was ending in a DQ no. of some sort. Yeah. Piper Knight. It's let's celebrate Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh. He got the body slam Big John Stud, and then he got to pin him one, two, three. Holy shit. So, of course, this leads to an argument between... And, and so, the, you know, the he puts his mask back on, can't quite get it to fit. The machines celebrate, and then they decide to go for Saki, and uh, the heels have to play out this botch that led to the pin. So there's some shoving, and Heenan's just desperate, practically in tears. Actually, it almost sounds like John gets a couple of cheers when he was, like, saying, like, you guys hit me and made yeah. me look dumb. Yeah, so I think, like they like we said in the Bulldogs match, going back to May, they were teasing this... Big John King Kong Bundy heat. I think there's several televised moments where there's these botched spots. Where not botched, but I mean for them, it's it's they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're they're hitting each other by accident in in storyline to create this heat and this friction. And this is where I think like you know we're supposed to get this feud King Kong Bundy versus Big John Stud. And I thought about it this morning. And I was like, who would have been the hero? And I kind of thought about it for a second. And I thought I think it would be Big John Stud. It kind of makes sense that he would be the one that would be the kind of the baby face. Pa- possibly that's biased because he did come back as a he is a baby face in '89. So. But this the thing we'd have to look it up. Big John Studd's not around very much longer. This is like this has got to be one of his last appearances in October because he's definitely not around for the fall of '86. So if we go look it on the sheet, it's at some point he's he's gone. Right. Well, I sure did enjoy the tag team of Stud and Bundy, one of my favorite heel teams. What fun! This was this would be the episode. This was our Stud and Bundy episode. So there I didn't we, we didn't really set out to do this, but I'm glad we did. That's right. Thanks for joining us this week. It's been an exciting bit of wrestling, so we're going to give you a few things to think about. We've already talked about it, but help us out over on Patreon. So to get there, you're going to do patreon.com forward slash legendary wrestling obsession. So that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon. You can also help us out with our Twitter stuff, or I guess it's called X these days. I'm not really up on this, but my my little birds turn into an X, and you know Elon Musk is changing things. I don't know; doesn't matter. So, if you're a Twitter person or would like to help us out and start a profile just for that reason, wow, that would be incredible. It's at Ledge Obsession. So let me spell that out for you because they limit the characters. Capital L E G capital W R E capital O B S E S S I O N. So if you could go on there, that'd be awesome because the more people that are following our little bits on Twitter, the more other people will see it, the more we can spread the show. We need your help getting the word out. What do you think about this week, Jeff? Very entertaining to go back to this memory that I had as a 14-year-old and uh, be able to break it down and see why it was such a fun and memorable match. So that really was a good time. And we, I hope that out there in podcast land that you enjoyed hearing the action as best was, as we could describe it. So it was Bundy Mania, as Callie would say, <laughs> right. this week. And that was great fun. We'd also like to thank Hanzo-san. Keep those letters coming in. We are very grateful to hear from one of our listeners, and we would be grateful 
for more. So our shows are the more letters you write, the longer our shows. So um, actually, we're gonna we're gonna try to keep, we keep trying to bring these shows into bite-sized, manageable <laughs> podcasts. So we're still working on that, but uh, you know we are having a great time. So thanks for bearing with us, even if we run a little lengthy. Yeah, we need those backstage bookers, the gorilla position guys, to get in there and <laughs> tell us when to go home. That's right. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Hey, we also got to throw a shout out to Ron Moore in the uh, yes. Manitoba Money Shot oh, podcast because sure. yeah. that was a great question he put in there too. Absolutely. And the unanimous answer is... <laughs> Who are you going to call? The Ghostbuster ranked as in the scariest looking move if you were actually trying in the, to... In the 80s. <laughs> yeah, in the 80s, yeah. Uh, and of course, that wasn't the tag team question. The same variation of like, what about... Oh, yeah. You know, that would be another interesting one that we can think about. Maybe That's next right. week we'll answer. That's right. Same question, but, you know, tag team. But we'll keep that mailbag open. That's legendarywrestlingobsession at gmail.com. So email us there. Send us stories, recollections. Next week, the actual card, Saturday's main event, October 4th. It's a big one, one of the best ones of all time. Keep this train rolling. I think that's going to do it for this week. Domo arigato.